Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, everybody. It is Wednesday, October the 8th, 2014, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm here as always with Steve Say. Hi. Mr. Bob Ryer. Yo. On the line with Miss Stephanie Cook. Hello. And joining us, very, very special guest, all the way from Wales, Mr. Hugh Perry. Hugh, thank you so much. Uh, you're welcome. I am down the rabbit hole. You are. <laughs> this is, uh, welcome to New York, man. Thank you. Obviously, the con starts tomorrow, if you're listening to this mm-hmm. on Wednesday. Um, and that is the chief reason why you're here, correct, Hugh? Well. Other than the people, obviously. The, the wonderful people are right. a big reason. But <laughs> I'll give you yeah. some money later. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I took Hugh to Target the other day. Oh, wow. It you really, yeah. really shown the Americana. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. <laughs> we nearly went okay, and Okay, you joke, but I love Target. I, I do, too. Do. That's why I took him there. <laughs> We went in Toys R Us. Yeah, <laughs> we nearly we nearly went in Best Buy. But yeah, I went into Best Buy today. <laughs> I get to go to Minnesota on Friday, and I'm so excited to go to Target. Like it's actually on my to do list. It's the home of Target, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. That's what they call thrilled. The, even called their baseball stadium. It's Target Field. Yeah, the hey. one that fouled up your last trip to Minnesota because of the All Star game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that was an unintentional trip to Minnesota. It's unintentional. That was- well, because I was you in time Seattle. time travel there or something? So, <laughs> well, I was in Seattle, and I was trying to go home, and my stopover was in Minnesota. Oh, that's oh. right. That is right. That's hmm. correct. All, all of your travel woes mm-hmm. that you have. You should write a book. I yeah. I know, right? I'm sure <sighs> they've got their Christmas stuff out. You should start looking for superhero ornaments. I'm sure Target has them out already. I'm sure they do, too. Yeah. They do. You really? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's America for you. <laughs> well... You know, Fourth of July, time for Christmas. Yeah. A week ago, yesterday, I was putting Christmas decorations up in work. So, yeah. Oh, woo. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's time. It's that. It is the season, I guess. Yes. We haven't even hit Halloween yet. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I've been planning my Christmas parties. I know. Yes. You're part of the problem. <laughs> well, to be fair, you have to book stuff for Christmas parties like way in advance. So, sorry. It's <laughs> going to be wonderful, though. Everyone should come. Right. Where, where is it? Toronto. Not Fire up your teleporter. And <laughs> I'll bring my TARDIS. Yeah. Uh, that would help. Absolutely, it would. Yeah, I'll just have my airship shipped there. <laughs> Cardiff is rife with TARDIS. So. Yeah, you're always sending me pictures. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, they f- uh, they uh, film over that way? Yeah, that's where Doctor Who's filmed. Yeah. In Cardiff. D- wow, didn't I? Yes. Yeah, and Sherlock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Torchwood. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Hmm. Absolutely. Although so it's, in, it's in Torchwood, they actually say it's Cardiff, whereas in mm-hmm. everything else, they're like, "This is Glasgow." No, <laughs> no, it's that's like Toronto <laughs> or <Yes>. Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, Hugh, mm-hmm. this is going to be 
this is your is this your first like major con big big con oh yeah um <laughs> the biggest one i've ever been to before this is was in london um which was a two-day con had a attendance of about 20 25,000 mm. so yeah. You're looking hey, four days plus a hundred thousand people. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait until they get a load of me. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, so you're starting your day early, early Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um and going all the way to Sunday, right? Yep. Awesome. All mm. the way through. All right. Yeah, we, I mean we're gonna we have a little bit of a different year this year. Um we're gonna be kind of all spread out and doing different things. Yeah. Um uh, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there all day Thursday, but that's the only day I'm going to be there because uh, of work and other personal business I need to attend to. Um, so if anybody's there on Thursday, please let me know. And uh, if you're there, if you want to meet up or something afterwards, get a drink, let us know. I know that. I uh, see you'll be there, right? On Thursday, I'm going to be there all four days. All four days. Okay. Um, Steve will be doing work for Joe Blow. Yeah. Um, doing talking comic stuff when he can. Uh, we'll try to do a podcast whenever we can. And and. Uh, uh, Bob is going to be there Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday. Um, I don't. I don't know if you guys are going to plan to do a meetup or anything, but I'm sure. So. I'm sure that you like to if yeah. we can. Um, Saturday night, if anybody's interested, I believe that the Last Rights Gallery is once again hosting uh, members of Forty Four Flood for a big uh, showcase. Uh, Melissa, Megan, and myself and my friend Beller went last year, and it was spectacular. Um, it takes place in this crazy, crazy. Uh, tattoo parlor that you actually need if you make an appointment it's something like five to eight years wait <laughs> waiting list for for a, a tattoo from this place um if you're looking for something spooky to do with with incredible incredible talent and artists uh that's definitely something to uh to consider so cool. is that we're gonna do a meetup you think that that sounds okay by me i though we <laughs> could maybe try to figure that out um, if it's not, I mean, I'm sure you guys can. I mean, look, we can, monitor the Twitter, monitor the Facebook. Yeah, you, we'll, we'll put, we'll put sort something, something out when, when it's going to happen. Um, but I'll be there Thursday. So if anyone's there Thursday, please yeah. let me know, and we'll, we'll try to meet up. Um, then uh, we have, and also Justin will be there, kind of hitting the hitting the ground for for yeah. talking comics. He uh, he kind of just kind of like I guess lucked in in quotes into being kind of like chief talking comics correspondent because I, ab- con. I abandoned him yeah. I didn't know I had no idea that I was going to be you know working yeah. for somebody else this con and yeah. I I have I still it's tonight's Tuesday night mm-hmm. and uh, I still don't have like my agenda mm. I have like a blanket you know assignment on just go have a good time document everything and make That's like great. you know a cosplay collage video mm. And that's so far, that's all I know about, but I'm expecting some surprises. Right. <laughs> you know, they're going to call me while I'm over, you know, taking photos of the image cars or something mm. over by the artist alley. And they're going to want me in Hall H for like a Dave Bautista <laughs> video or something. And I'm like, I, are you kidding me? So we'll see. I hope it works out really well. I'm super nervous about it, but I'm also really excited. Right, look, Joe Casada could announce the next nine Marvel movies. Yeah. yeah. See, that's the thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I mean, I could talk about this off air. Mm. I don't know that I'm supposed to be at those things because mm-hmm. this, this is a movie website. I don't know how much they're covering the comics part of Comic Con. Right. There's some. There's movie and TV stuff there though. So oh, yeah, you'll, you'll be mm-hmm. fine with that stuff. Um, what I was gonna say. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I, I got some interviews lined up already. I, I am. Uh, I, I'm gonna be doing some big dark horse ones. Talking to Walt Simonson <gasps> on Thursday. Oh, so you'll nice. probably hear that in the yeah. coming weeks. After that, uh, I'm going to talk to Francesco Francavilla. <laughs> nice. He is so nice. Um, I, I, I was talking about this off air. I don't. Is he super Italian, Stephanie? 
Very. Okay. I wasn't sure if he's just like, oh, he's just, you know, no, American with Italian yeah. name. Yeah. Um, no, he's actually like from Italy. Okay. And- so I'm I'm super excited. He is the ninth. <laughs> some other um, some other interviews as well uh, lined up, and also I'll hit Artist Alley on Thursday and try to grab some there as well. But um, yeah, so just if you guys are there, make sure you tweet at uh, Talking Comics and let us know, and uh, we'll try to meet up with whoever yeah. whoever is there. Or look for a very cranky old guy screaming at someone about CGC grading or something. <laughs> <It'd> be me. <laughs> Why? Well, those, those, actually, someone t- uh, sent me a forum post about that in their introduction. I saw you there. You were yelling at some guy at the, the comic book legal defense fund. You were talking about Daredevil 1 and why it shouldn't be graded, and he was agreeing with you, and I was just too scared to even interrupt. Why would you put it in a box? Exactly. Why vault it away? But just, like, if you see me yelling at someone, don't be afraid. Just don't tap me on the shoulder behind. I, I still, I'm quick. Bob just, bites. Just, yeah. join, just join in. Just join in. Yeah. Slugged in the face. <laughs> Pointy elbows from all those years of playing basketball. me and Phil Jackson. Stephanie, you will not be at the con this year. <gasps> I won't. I know. I'm very sad. There was there was talks on Twitter. Uh, some of my friends were like, "Well, just do a Kickstarter to get you here," and I was like, <laughs> "But um, I'm sad to be missing out." But at the same time, um, there's always other cons, yeah, and so you go to a I'll lot be of cons. around. I do, just and we um, don't. yeah, we don't. <laughs> I will be. Uh, in Minnesota for a little bit, uh, doing some stuff around there. So unfortunately, New York Comic Con was just not in the cards for me. Gotcha. And I also want to say thank you very much to Hugh, who got me an amazing wedding present. Very, awesome. Very welcome. Uh, commissioned uh, an artist and mm-hmm. uh, created a, a, a comic, comic book or character versions of me, my fiance Karen, and all the whole Talking Comics crew here. So. Um, thank you very much for that, Hugh. That was You're welcome. really, really awesome. Gotta, gotta post pictures of that. I will, that obviously. so amazing. We will obviously yeah. post Yeah, pictures. way to raise the bar, Hugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks. Sorry. Thanks, thanks for that. Yeah. Well, I, I tore up my card on the way here. <laughs> <laughs> I never even met Hugh until today, and he gave me that awesome me, present. <laughs> sorry, me and Bob have colluded to an extent. <laughs> <laughs> I, di- I did see the work in progress, and it was all, oh my God, and wow, and... Yeah, Bobby was telling me about the thing, too, and I was like, oh yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> And he was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you crazy geniuses. Um, yeah, this is the first time I saw the colored version, yeah, it's awesome. and it's, it's beautiful. Hey, There's watch a, the language. Bob is Mr. What? <laughs> <laughs> Come on now. Bob's having a little whiskey. Um, yeah. so, uh, and he also brought us a, a bottle of uh, Welsh whiskey. Yes, Pendarian whiskey, 46%. It's it was nice. done very... Very smooth. Very mm-hmm. warming. Very, very smooth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um all right, so uh, today we're going to be kind of free-forming a little bit. We're going to be obviously talking about um, doing a lightning round, doing books of the week. Uh, got big stuff to talk about, Gotham Academy, um, Thor, absolutely. Um, our topic is going to kind of be uh, a, 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 kind of two news stories a little bit combined. Um, uh, obviously, uh, there was a big, a lot of news that happened, and it actually got kind of resolved today about uh, the Batman price point uh, that went up to four ninety nine. Verdict. Yeah, yeah. So Scott Snyder tweeted today that he talked to DC. Everything after thirty-five will be back to the three ninety-nine. Yes. Uh, price point resolved. So uh, we're talking that in, in tandem with the the cancellation of all new X Factor and kind of Peter David's um, reasoning behind why mm-hmm. uh, it it got canceled. Hmm. Um, and uh, we also have a couple other things to, to talk about as far as news. Um, but we had a we had a question from a listener, and I want to just uh, address it really quickly. Um, so we uh, the Flash premieres. Well, tonight when we're recording this, it'll have already aired by the time you guys listen to this. Oh, mm-hmm. um, Time traveling. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and uh, Doug uh, 
Maja on on Twitter says, bought a season pass for The Flash. Never read any of the books, though. Think I'll still be able to enjoy and follow along. Uh, and I think uh, the answer to that is absolutely. I mean, I think that you're when you mm-hmm. read a movie mm-hmm. or a TV show, um, it's not like you had to have read Iron Man to enjoy Iron Man. It's not like you have to read Green Arrow to enjoy Arrow. I think knowledge of the DC universe will probably give you some little thrills here and there because they're mm-hmm. obviously gonna. If it's anything like Arrow, they're gonna be throwing out references left and right yeah. to things that are on the way. But I think you're just gonna if you enjoy superhero stuff, you're gonna be able to enjoy the show. Yeah, that's not having seen it. I know Hugh actually seen have, the pilot. Yes. Yeah, I've seen it too. Yeah, you, got, you guys have both seen it. So. Yeah. Um, uh, for the pilot, do you think any four comic knowledge is, is needed? Uh, it's um, very much, you know, it's full on origin stuff, really. Yeah. I mean, it's know. very fast. Mm. It's very fast. It's Ironically. very, you know, the hero's already been established through the Arrow show, mm. so they don't have to really waste time with that. They could do that with a montage, mm-hmm. you know, and then it's like, you know, several months later, and <laughs> now we're in the situation with him. Um, I, I, Overall, I enjoyed it for for a pilot. I thought it was actually pretty solid. Um, it keeps with like the quality where Arrow is now. Mm-hmm. It kind of feels like they they really have that momentum going, and they're moving right into the Flash. And then also Arrow starts the night after. Yeah, so they're going to be running back to back. They're going to be hitting both of these shows really hard, writing wise and you know promotion wise and all that stuff. It'll be interesting to see how one kind of plays off of the of, of the other being in the same universe and kind of starting to really truly build all of that stuff on the DC side. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. I saw the, I've seen the Constantine pilot as well. Um, that needs some work. Mm-hmm. I know that they're, they're doing rewrites and recasts and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see what that turns out to be when it's released. But um, I'm really looking forward to the flash. It, it was, uh, it was very enjoyable. And uh, the lead character, I can't remember his name. But he's he's phenomenal as Barry Allen. He's just he's very charismatic, and I like watching him. Cool, Grant awesome. Glenn. What's his? Oh, Grant G- Gustin. I think yes, that's, 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 right. yeah. that's his name. Yes. Um, Hugh, what did you think of it? Uh, it's, it's really good fun. You know, uh, I think you know there is a cameo from uh, Oliver in there. So, and you know, it actually goes some to lighten his mood. You get a bit more. You know. Of a, you know the the scene he's in is quite light-hearted. Um, I think they've already said that somewhere along the lines through the first season that they will cross over cross over mm-hmm. again. Um, like Steve said, it's a it's a solid start. So hopefully now you know we can start watching it through. It'll um, it'll be strong and it'll be as fun as the first episode. If, if the guys are like that, I'll be on board. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It, like it's it's very you know here's your hero, here's your your villain of you know of the day and we're gonna wrap everything up because you want to get a glimpse of what he's going to be able to do if you don't know the flash we're going to show you a little bit of what he's capable of and then leave you you know feeling like you're going to see much more yeah um they're going heavy with the kind of like cloak and dagger aspects of the company that he's working for that he's affiliated with Yeah. yeah Um, and the, the support cast, um, not so much on the guy who's in charge just yet, mm. but the assistants that showed up in the Arrow show, like they, they take, you know, the center stage mm. with, with this show, kind of like the Fitz and Simmons mm-hmm. of, of, uh, DC and they were great. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, lots of good chemistry happening in the show. So hopefully it carries out. Yeah. I mean, all the casting they've announced, all the, you know, all the villains they're starting to announce, like, you know, Captain Cold, all of these people they're starting to announce already has me very, very excited for the potential of, sure. of the show. I saw a review today, I forget where it was, where they were complaining because it seemed lighter. Mm. Not filled with all the angst of arrows, <laughs> so maybe you people aren't going to want to watch it. No, it's precisely why you want to watch this one. It's different in tone, mm, yeah, giving yeah, count- you a choice. Yeah, yeah that, it's a counterpoint. Yeah, you go with the. I mean, you go with the tone of the character, right? The, right. the Barry and the, the Flash is a much more lighthearted uh, hero, and I think that's very smart uh, of them to do that because I think a lot of the concern initially why it was like it's just going to be Arrow, but it's going to be a guy who runs fast, and the fact that they're not doing that, I think, is, is really cool. Look, Steph, Seven, are you excited about the Flash? I am. Um, you know, I don't have a big like, past with the character, so I don't really have much to compare it to. Um, but, you know, Arrow did get a lot better in the second season, and I think with the formula they have, um, they've nailed down. The first season of The Flash has a lot of potential to just be great right out of the gate. Yeah. Um, and especially if they keep to the source material and throw in those Easter eggs, they'll make uh, fans happy. They'll make, you know, new watchers happy. And um, the lead character just has so much charisma on screen. And I will be really, really happy when they do the crossover and that uh, Olicity thing doesn't happen. Just, oh, just stop don't, with don't that. Don't get me started Arrow. with this. <laughs> I was ranting about this yesterday. They bury and just. Yes, go. I agree. <laughs> Anyways, here's the thing: at a certain level, all of us have kids. Running fast mm-hmm. is just a wonderful fantasy that mm-hmm. I can outrun everyone. And to see that display when Carmine Infantino did the book all those years ago, it was just so perfect. Every page in action, seeing that on screen, I, yeah. I you and I both love the old, the, yeah, the, the old series. One of the just mm-hmm. fun things to watch with today's technology. I'm so looking forward to seeing what you can do with speed tricks. It, now. Does, yeah. it does look the the effect when, yeah. when he's running. It, it looks really good. Yeah, awesome. like sometimes the 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 effects for a pilot aren't up to par with mm-hmm. what you'll get in the finished product. They well, were like pretty. Wonder they were Woman? decent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh God, don't don't even. Um, yeah, it, it's. I'm excited for it. I'm yeah. excited for it. It's. Um, I'm glad that it's happening because I know a lot of people have been waiting for it, and there were people that did hold off because the pilot was going around for. It's been yeah. around for yeah. quite some time. I held off. I didn't watch it because I want to yeah, watch I it on TV either, yeah. and just do it. You know, turn so. the stereo up. Now, yeah. have you off topic but on topic? Have you seen the Fox might want to do an X Men TV series? I did see that. I was, that I was going to bring that up. Yeah, absolutely. Rumored uh, to be X Factor, apparently. Oh, yes. Really? Yeah, the '90s X Factor. Oh, so like the original cast of X Men yeah. kind of people. I think that's a great idea, and I think that I, I think Simon Kinberg, who is the is the guy who's been writing the, the movies for a long time, and uh, he he's talked about TV before and how it's the probably the best place for a cast like the X Men mm-hmm. because you can in you can really get into all these different characters and deal with them. Ensemble really lends itself to TV a lot better yep. than it, uh, it lends itself to movies because you always get characters getting the short shrift. In a in a in a in a TV show, you wouldn't have to be relying on Wolverine as as your main character. You can get into Gene and Scott right. and Aurora and, and and all these people. Sure. Throw an episode to one of the sidebar characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, Stephanie. What do you think about an X Men TV show? Um, I'm I'm curious. I mean, obviously, this is super early yeah. and there's yeah. not a lot of details about it. Um, but it's Something that, you know, as a comic book fan, intrigues me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, and we had a, we actually got a bunch of news kind of in this vein. And we'll, we'll, we'll head on some of it right now. There's also a big rumor, and it's coming out from relatively reputable sources. Um, you know, big websites, HitFix, 
um, Badass Digest, places Slash Film, places like that, um, that Sony and Marvel are working on something to have Spider-Man be able to be in yeah. in the Marvel movies hmm. um, and have Marvel really kind of control Spider-Man again in kind of a co-deal with this Sony and apparently there's been a lot of rumblings that Disney basically wants to figure out a way to get as many of their characters as possible back into the fold uh, <laughs> so uh, you know and there's been obviously a lot of speculation about why Marvel is so keen right now to do this um, are they thinking about a Civil War movie are they thinking about a Secret Wars movie all things that are intrinsically tied to Spider-Man in a lot of ways. Also, apparently Sony is kind of flummoxed on what to do at this point. They feel like the character is slipping away from them as far as popularity. And rather than let the character go completely obscure and, and, and alienate everyone to, you know, let them share come a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Get a piece of that Marvel money. Well, yeah. once they announced they were pushing the next Spider-Man movie off for what, two years. Yes. And announcing villain movies. Well, and we're going to have a female hero movie of who exactly? They don't know. I mm. saw something earlier. Now, like <laughs> This is just a rumor, <gasps> mm. but I saw something to the effect of that the Venom movie might be canceled and they're they're going to they're push ahead with uh, Sinister Six instead. Well, Sinister Six oh. is definitely the first on the, the block right now because that's why right. Drew Goddard isn't doing um, Daredevil, the Daredevil show. Okay. It's because oh. of Sinister Six. Venom is, I think, the next one down the line okay. after that. Um, I think that Sony doesn't know what they're doing with the Spider-Man franchise at all. So I think that... Because um, how I, what I don't understand, we, t- we talked about this before, I don't understand how you make Sinister Six without Spider-Man. Exactly. No. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, I just don't understand it. But I think that it will be do well for both of them because I think... You put Spider-Man in the Avengers or whatever they're thinking about doing, and it raises his profile immediately. I mean, we've seen, and I think there was an article today about this, how Marvel has kind of driven Hollywood insane with, oh, with, the with, their, yeah. with their model because everyone's trying to reproduce it now. You know, we heard this announcement that Sony is working on a shared Robin Hood cinematic universe. <laughs> like, well, I don't even understand what that means. The, 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 that sentence doesn't make any sense to well, me. Hugh has some ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Made Mary in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, which th- th- there's probably potential in in that idea. Yeah, yeah, that would Nottingham, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. Rottingham. <laughs> uh, but it's just it's crazy, right? This whole this whole thing that people are everyone's trying to do. Universal's doing with their monster movies now. It just seems to proliferate everything. It mm-hmm. just it can't be a single movie anymore. It's got to be a mm-hmm. shared universe. I'll tell you this though. I'm going on record right now that I will totally be on board if they do Robin Robin Hood proper meets Men in Tights. <laughs> I will. I will. I will. I, will, I, will okay. I don't think that's the kind of sheer universe they're talking about. <laughs> oh, it's the one they should be talking yeah. about. Damn it! I, w- I want. I want anthropomorphic foxes hanging yes. out with Kevin Costner. Okay, Written by Mel cro- Brooks. If you, <laughs> right, if you cross off with Mel Brooks, do you do Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein and Robin Hood Men in Tights or Dracula Dead and Loving It while you're at it? Amazing. Oh my God, Dracula Dead and Loving It. Throw a bit of Spaceballs in. For good yeah, time. a couple of Nazis. Let's just yeah. go. Seventy. What, what do you think about Spider-Man maybe entering the Marvel Cinematic Universe? <sighs> do we need a, just uh, just stop? Do we need another trilogy after this? Of course! <laughs> Yes, but I mean, and then think about him. trilogy after that, an all origin story starting them off. Why not? Well, I don't think Marvel would do that. I, I think, yeah. but I'm saying like having him kind of fold into like the the Avengers universe that we're already dealing with. Having him show up maybe in Avengers three. Yeah, I, that uh, could be fun if yeah, he shows in up in Avengers and stuff. Yeah. But um, as long as it's not more reboots. Mm-hmm. No, I think I think that they I'll know agree. that would be, that would be ridiculous to to do that. Yeah. Uh, I hope so. Look, anyway. They managed the Hulk by doing. What a three-minute recap yeah. during the credits, mm-hmm. and just uh, Eric Banner, who, yeah. <laughs> Ang Lee, well, don't care. Yeah, yeah. Deal with it. <laughs> yeah, 
and everyone did. Yeah. So. Yeah. so, yeah, a lot of stuff with movie and TV rumors flying everywhere. Um, and uh, we obviously, we had a couple listeners who wanted us to talk about this because it's very near and dear to Bob's heart. You're not uh-huh. going to do this to me. I haven't had nearly enough to drink. <laughs> a dagger. So, um, uh, I'll go and get I, a bottle. I gavalt, have some more, as they say in New York. So, we've heard this kind of rumblings from different places all over the place, Bleeding Cool, other places, about Fantastic Four possibly um, being canceled. Uh, some attributing it to the fact that they want to not have something that is advertising the Fox movies. Um, uh, yeah. But we had our first kind of sort of concrete um, information come out about that. Okay. This uh, is new to me. I want to hear this one. A listing from Hatchet Book Group, which is Marvel's oh, yes. bookstore market distributors. Um, a collection, they announced a collection entitled Fantastic Four Volume 4, The End is Forever, uh, with an on-sale date of June 30th, 2015. The description reads, The End is Forever. Witness the closing act on the first family of the Marvel Universe. The invaders meet the Fantastic Four as the hunt for Reed Richards and the missing kids of the Future Foundation continues. Meanwhile, the mastermind behind everything unveils his ultimate plan. Um, and how does it all lead to the end? Collecting Fantastic Four number 642 through 644 and the triple size final issue, 645. Um, so, obviously, we're going to go to Bob first here. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> Look, we, we still don't know if the rumors about Jonathan Hickman's time runs out eight months later, five years later, whatever the heck's going on there, means a complete reboot. I still think not. This book has been rebooted. This is volume eight. I guess if we, we start again, not unexpected. Book is selling marginally well, but still better than Black Widow, Punisher, Thunderbolts, a lot of major books. We'll it's bring in the, the X-Men, I think. Right, it's in yeah. the mid-30s. Mm-hmm. If it's Ike Perlmutter canceling the book because he's mad at Fox owning the property, then go to your Disney overlords and shake loose a check and buy <laughs> the thing back. <laughs> I, I don't get that because, look, the book sells 30,000, the book sells 30 million tickets or whatever. They don't relate to each other. The books don't promote the movies. It's mm. the other way around. So I, the, none of that makes any sense. The fact that it's, look, James Robinson, major creator, there was no traction here. Hickman's run, really good, sell well. Fractions had a big boost early, fell apart when they did the All in Humans thing. I think they're ready to try another creator and reboot the thing, and they'll take six months, eight months, nine months off and start again. I can't imagine them leaving the book that started the Silver Age of comics for Marvel Mm. on the shelf forever, which isn't to say they won't. How long was Thor gone? A couple of years? 18 months at least? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. It might happen Mm -hmm. and come out after the movie has died. Mm -hmm. The movie's going to tank. The movie's going to blow chunks. (laughs) I'm... I'm not going to say anymore. I'm not going down that road. Anyway. Tell us how you really feel, Bob. <laughs> You've heard. Oh, wait. Wait. Heard wait till it comes out. Here's really. the deal. There are rumors around that they will try to make their book replicate the movie cast. Why you would do that, I don't really know. But their other books have mm. at a certain level. Mm. Where the Hawkeye looks like Jeremy Renner, kind mm. of, and we, we've gone down that road. Is that their model? But why on somebody else's movie? Yeah, yeah. There's so many things going on. All I'm going to say is if... Mm, emotional here. <laughs> if they reboot with four new characters, part of the Fantastic Four, and, and blow this apart, which has been rumored, I might be done. Not with comics in general, but th- that's, a, that's a dagger in my heart. Mm-hmm. 
this is a book I grew up with. The Silver Age of Marvel and I grew up together. Right. My first book is FF5. Mm-hmm. And I still remember where I read it. Past the road where I read it the other day. <laughs> Stationary store got bought in. It is the linchpin for everything that followed. Nothing at Marvel happens unless that book comes first. Spider-Man was big in the Avengers, everything else. All those concepts, the idea of adult characters and a cosmic shared universe and some fun and it's there. And for those people, we have, we have Hugh and Steve who've gone down this road with me, mm-hmm. along with a lot of our listeners. It is really a special book. It's very different. It is a family. And you change that dynamic, you've got a team of superheroes. Mm. And that's different. That is yeah. very different. I gave this up once with the Jim Lee reboot way back in 97. Came back when they decided they were going to have Peter David come and fix it. I'll tell you right now, we're going to talk about Peter a little bit later. Mm. with some other news stories he's the guy i'd love to see reboot fantastic for you're going to come back that's the guy he wrote a novel on, on them with the silver surfer that was really very good he understands the characters understands family dynamics you can see that in x factor and all the other books his hulk was filled with supporting characters you're going to come back let's not go for a flavor of the month they burn out quickly let's mm. go to the heart of this I'm going to be sad and hopeful at the same time that this book will be back. If it isn't, adios amigos. Now, what do you think about them going back to the, uh, the original numbering in that? In, in that uh, it's happened before. Yeah. When they went back for my first episode around here was when mm. we went to 600. Yes. They were in the 50s at that point and then bushed forward and started adding all the numbers up and mm. went, okay, to get to 600, 645? Mm-hmm. Really? That's why that's, that's a yeah. classic number. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's I, just they're trying. That's why I feel like I, I, I don't. I mean, look, they, could, they can always go back and change it and go, and then they could do it for twenty all issues. All new, all now. Yeah, number one, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I, I wonder about if we're going to see more stories like this coming out about other books. You know, uh, about Avengers, about the you know, be, okay. just because if what's happening is actually happening and whether it's a hard reboot or a soft reboot or just a things are going to change a bunch and we're just going to read number things again because that's what we're doing every year now you know um i i wonder like what what that's going to be because we heard we've heard this and I, people were looking for this right people people have been waiting to look yeah what's the next happen. piece of evidence that says it's happening exactly yeah. so i wonder if this is going to start happening for other books stephanie do you think fantastic four is gone forever probably not um i mean it's like characters that get killed off it's never forever <laughs> that's the general in comics in general never never forever except yeah, uncle exactly ben. except for uncle ben yeah nope he'll be alive someday and he'll be a sp- again uncle spider edge of spider uncle <laughs> oh, man. yeah why not mm. i it would be interesting if they renumbered everything and went back to 500s when mm. we had i've been saying for years that my years on this show volumes and year mm. by year and okay we're gonna go back to the first Thor's journey to mystery 83 mm-hmm. so we're gonna like add hundreds of numbers to the new thor yeah yeah oh by the way this is now thor number 647 <laughs> wow i'm liking it as a collector the whole idea of the continuity of mm. numbering through is is pretty interesting how many justice leagues are there now yeah. <laughs> on the other side of the fence a lot of justice leagues Mm-hmm. Um, volume 14 yeah I mean I don't know like we, I, I find it tough to get I, the, the final issue labeling does not get my goat up because we saw this in the fraction 
stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, we, we saw the final chapter and the final issue. We've seen it so many times now. We, we must have seen this happen at least three times in three years we've been doing this with, with, with various yes. books. So I, I, I can't... I can't get dramatic about it because I don't see it happening. I don't see mm-hmm. it being gone. Maybe it's gone for six months. You know, maybe yeah. maybe they they, they want to bring it back in a big, huge, splashy way. So they take it away for a couple months and then they throw it back out. Right. You know, look if the book was selling eleven thousand copies a mm-hmm. month, blow it all up it right. would make a lot of sense, I suppose. Yeah. In a business model that it's in the middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. It's in the hundreds somewhere. So yeah, again, ahead of some things. It's not a model that's completely broken. It is different. It is a family and nothing else is. Address that. Just find the right creator to do it. Is there someone out there to do that? And that becomes a problem. Is there someone with enough cachet in the industry that Mm. I have to buy the Grant Morrison Fantastic (laughs) Four? He's done that before. (laughs) Right. Or the Mark Wade who did it before. Do you put someone like that to this book and and that gets you another 20,000, 30,000 readers and puts you in the top 30? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens with that. Maybe. If we end up with a team in containment suits with disabilities and not superpowers and angsty and they're teenage like the movies, no. (laughs) I'm out of here. I'll go by DC. I can't see... Few would blame you. I cannot (laughs) see them doing the movie stuff with this. I mean, they did it in the past sort of with X-Men, but that was way back before they are making their own movies. I just don't see them doing it like that um but yeah that's a little bit of our news time uh we're gonna talk about more news a little bit later but news. let's get into talking about some books yeah let's talk about some books let's lightning round it up here bob i'm gonna have you go first get the party started with your with your huge pile of books in front of you it's all a lightning round right there we'll see what <laughs> we'll see if this works about three feet tall all right yes. lightning round go Thanks to us talking to Marguerite Bennett last week and you guys talking about Butterfly Number 1. Reddit mm-hmm. loved the spy aspect of this. I didn't mind the ending. I thought it was a nice little end of a chapter. Very different. Very, very different. Silver Surfer Number 6, Dan Slott and the All Reds. Just another spectacular issue with them. Now we've got Dawn Greenwood in space with the Surfer and Warrior Number 1 and a planet where everyone has one job ever. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere, but look, if you're not reading this, you should be. That's about 48 seconds. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Fantastic Four annual number one. That's ludicrous because there have been like 47 of these annuals. Um, the book is really, it has been improving. It's James Robinson and Tom Grummet. Sue goes to let Verity to try to get Valeria back. She's not so thrilled at coming back because she's got Doom on a leash. He's doing good stuff, sometimes secretly creating oases where there aren't water where there isn't crops and health care and all the stuff like we in america don't have but latveria <laughs> apparently has and its satellite countries do sue wants her daughter back a great battle sequence sue using her powers tremendously doom is at her mercy at some point and he starts starts a mystic attack and discovers she's not quite herself bum 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 she's being possessed by malice here we go how much time we got I don't even know. You Lots got, of time. You got a minute and a half. Okay, here we go. Fantastic Four 280, 281, 282, 3, 4, 5. Back <laughs> John Byrne. Cheating. Used uh, the hate monger from episode, episode 23, issue 23, who is actually Adolf Hitler. He's not really. He manipulates emotions. All of a sudden, all of New York hates the Fantastic Four, hates each other. 
but it's not. It's really the Psycho Man who's turned Sue Storm into Malice, the Mistress of Hate. Woo! Um, <laughs> they go back after Psycho Man. She takes him out. He's not a threat anymore and renames herself the Invisible Woman in issue 284. She returns when it's Tom DeFalco and Paul Ryan for 369, and now she's a separate entity, and Franklin, now grown up, finds this, absorbs her hate-filled entity into his own body, where it happens over here. We've got a red cover of 371, for some, and it was also white. It's bumpy, too. And it, it is bumpy. It's embossed. Then we go into 384. We're still into the DeFalco era. 392, where Franklin pulls it out of himself, sticks it into alternate universe Reed, pretending to be Franklin Storm, the Invincible Man, and th- shoots him off into space. In the issue we just talked about, we're talking about Valera. She's born in issue 54. And Uncle Doom is actually the person who delivers Valeria Richards. <laughs> How much time? Where am I, 30 seconds? Somewhere in there? No, you have four seconds. Oh, well, there we go. And she gets killed in issue 561 and 562. <laughs> I quit. And now I've seen that, I can go home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm done. You've witnessed the Bob Lightning round. Oh. I'm actually flying home tomorrow. I lied to you all. <laughs> you just came to see Bob do the lightning round. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might get a t-shirt with that on it. <laughs> I, I rode the lightning of Bob's lightning <laughs> Bob's lightning rod. And all I got was a hardcore education in comics. Nosebleed. Stephanie, are you ready? Yes. Does not sound very confident. I am ready ish okay. yes i'm ready all right I'm good i'm fine i'm fine I'm lightning fine. round go all right so i started out by reading a book this week from aspen comics mm. new book for me or new publisher for me um and it's a series about it's kind of like a western <laughs> fallout <has>. three <laughs> with a western fallout three starring um well-endowed pretty girl <laughs> and horses and wastelands and it was really actually pretty good the covers are pretty sexy like you know kind of dynamite-ish um but then i got into it and i was like this is this is interesting i dig this uh it's written and uh drawn by somebody named Sayaum. uh i'm not gonna try and you know say that any further um but it was interesting and i enjoyed it i think i picked it up for free in some sort of bundle on the interwebs um, interesting. I read Rat Queens number eight. Still so awesome. I love this book. Um, the art, the story, everything just continues to be awesome. Uh, let's see. What else did I read? I don't know. God. <laughs> the names number two. Uh, really like where this series is going. And I don't exactly know where it's going. It's kind of hard for me to kind of guess what's going on who are the names we don't know we just don't know uh and i'm really enjoying the ride and the art's really cool and unique as well uh i don't know if i've seen this artist anywhere else on anything else but so far so good see where it goes i i I don't know how long it could go on for but i suspect with the way they're building things up it could be a while that's pretty much all I have to say. All right. You had a minute left, Stephanie. Well. Sing. Have I talked about the misfits yet, Bobby? <laughs> no, no. no. We're not doing oh, we got disconnected from Stephanie. She's gone. Oh, shut <laughs> up. Your, your last episode was very amazing, by the way. 
Thank you. Yeah. I hope it gave everyone a craving for pizza. Uh, yeah, I, I especially enjoyed how you... Let's build a movie through a pizza. <laughs> who's the crust and who's the sauce and who's the cheese? I was pretty proud of that metaphor. Yes. You didn't listen? Oh, it's no. incredible. Yeah, tune into the Misfits to find out. Yeah, you're going to have to listen. It's only about three hours long. Yeah, <laughs> the, the but talking it's so comics. Good. Yeah. But we have we had like our recommendations, and then we had pizza talk, and then we had our talk about comic books, and we had an interview with Brendan Fletcher. Nice. Ooh. And then more pizza. And more pizza. I ate pizza and then I ordered yeah. pizza spoilers. Oh, yeah. your mm-hmm. fir- Is that your first New York slice of pizza? Funnily enough. <gasps> Where'd you eat it? New York. At Rob's place. <laughs> Did you guys get it out from someplace, though? Yeah. Okay. All right. His, his dad went out and came back with pizza. Yeah. So you didn't get a slice while you were in the city today? No, we ate sushi in the city. Wow. Also good. Which you have plenty good. of time. He is going to be in the city for four straight days. you got to get a dirty he, water he will, dog. He will eat pizza, and he'll eat a hot dog. <laughs> yep. Get one at the end of the con. <laughs> no. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll, go to, we'll go to Grace Papaya and get you a hot dog. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm down for that. Um, all right, Steve. You ready for some lightning round? Yeah. All right. Lightning round, go. All right, so I've got uh, two books this week. I did a little bit of traveling. I didn't have a whole lot of time to read, but uh, caught up with Nailbiter. This is uh, Nailbiter number six from Image Comics, and it is written by Joshua Williamson with art by Mike Henderson. We're back in Buckaroo in this issue. Um, For those that don't know, Buckaroo is this town that has – there's a sort of – almost mystical quality about it that it tends to breed serial killers. There's a ridiculous number of serial killers hailing from this town and a new addition to the town making her way up the hill and very pregnant is a woman named Mallory. Mallory is, um, in the nicest of terms, unwell. She is under the impression that if she uh, makes it to Buckaroo and has her child within the town limits of Buckaroo, that she will give birth to a serial killer. Why? Why, why would anybody purposefully want to give birth to a serial killer? Her idea is that it will one day make her famous, that she'll she'll have a a serial killer child that will, you know, commit heinous acts all throughout his life and then eventually be arrested for the mass murder of several people And she'll be on talk shows, and she'll have a book deal, and all of these things. It's like being Mrs. Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, God. It's, it's go. ridiculous. So, um, abandoning uh, Finch from the last uh, arc, this arc now focuses on Alice, who is kind of the town's... Um, supposed to be the town's person that like might be able to make it out and make something of herself, but she's got a couple of secrets of her own. And uh, she teams up with Sheriff Crane and the two of them uh, go after Mallory and try to talk some sense into her and help her. Uh, what I really, really enjoyed about this issue is not only does Nailbiter continue to be absolutely awesome, the writing is just stellar and the art is super good, but they're managing to do other things outside of what happened in the first arc and still find new ways to make this town interesting and bringing new elements to it and different stories to it. And um, perhaps taking some characters that might have taken a back seat to the first arc and now putting them in the spotlight. And now we're going to get to spend time with them and watch them solve crimes. And no spoilers, but there is a very, very special guest in uh, Nailbiter oh. number seven. I think Bob will enjoy that issue quite a bit. We'll talk about it off air. Oh, yeah. Um, my other book is Figment number five. Uh, it's part of the Disney Kingdoms line from Marvel and Disney. 
And it is written by Jim Zub with uh, art by Felipe Andrade, and it is just absolutely wonderful. Uh, we got a lot of questions of people asking us of all ages books uh, to read to their kids. We had a question on, uh, I believe it was the forums, quite mm-hmm. possibly, of, yep. of Today, books for an 11, yep. 11-year-old girl. Um, I said Superhero Girl and uh, something else I can't remember. But Figment, if you're listening to the podcast, pick up Figment. Damn it. I had so much to say about this book. Well, you only had three minutes. You said so much about Nailbiter. Yeah, you spent a lot of time on Nailbiter, sir. All right, well. But Figment, I is one I'm waiting for the trade. Yep. I know that sounds terrible. How many more do we'll we have We'll talk about that later. Two, <laughs> se- two, two sentences. It's, it's, a, it's very whimsical, and it pushes the importance of imagination. And that is my, my favorite aspect. This is now done, five issues, it's finished. Um, I love the fact that they stress to be your own person, be different, and think outside of the box. It's a very, very um, nice yeah. lesson for, for young readers and for, for older readers as well. Cool. Awesome. And those are my books for the lightning round. Awesome. All right, time for me to go. Hugh, you have no lightning round, correct? No. I've, oh. I've, I've been kind of busy getting Sorry. ready for Yeah, whatever, dude. Traveling you had a, you had a long flight. What are you doing on your flight except for reading comics? Yeah. Uh, I watched um, Pacific Rim. Oh, okay. Awesome. And I approve. I can't, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I watched um, Edge of Tomorrow as well for the oh, first nice. time, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I also approve. Stephanie Playlist. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this <laughs> sounds like, like hello, hello, would you like to come over and watch movies? Because this sounds fun. Yeah, <laughs> that, uh, that actually came out on Blu-ray today. I know, I'm excited. Yes, I'm going to get it. With that ridiculous cover. Yeah. Have you see that? Where they hide the name of the movie? Yeah. Well, no, they actually, you guys, they didn't hide the name they changed the name yeah. that is actually the name of the movie now on imdb on everywhere what seriously yeah they changed the name because it of the still movie. says edge of tomorrow little in the bottom of the, yeah. of the, of the they changed it to live die repeat yeah. if you go to imdb uh, it's wow. called live die repeat now after it came out in theaters that's a crazy thing that's yeah. ridiculous mm-hmm. i mean it's a good move because that is a, it's a dumb name for the movie it's a james bond title yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it's you know it sounds like the name of like a corporate press conference Welcome to the edge of tomorrow. <laughs> Today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Buckle up, kids. It's, but it's like an awesome. Tucker cars. Yeah. It's, a, it's an awesome really movie. Really dumb though. move. It it's a good. dumb move, but it's an, it's an awesome movie. People should definitely uh, watch yeah, it. Yeah, I certainly okay. enjoyed it. Yeah. Weird. All right. So weird. Um, here we go. My lightning yeah. round. Go. All right. So uh, Bucky Barnes, The Winter Soldier, number one. This is Alesh Kot and uh, Marco Rudy. Uh, it is weird. <laughs> are you, you can, surprised if you can believe mm-hmm, that yeah. no i'm not surprised but i will say this marco rudy's art is, is fantastic but it's much like something like jh williams or something like that or dave gibbons or something like that. it's it, it is it's a lot to take in and when you're dealing with someone who writes prose like alesh Cott, which is also hard to take in i for me personally the combination is too much mm-hmm. it, it, it's it, i i for a book like this, it's too hard for me to follow it. It's too hard for me to wow. um, take in what's going on because at its core, it's still kind of like this um, spy story. You know, he's kind of like a interstellar spy now, but he's still doing the same things. Uh, and it's tough to find that that narrative. And if there's anything else going on as far as like deeper meaning and stuff like that, I think it also gets lost in in the way that, that, that it's built. I, I know that Joey uh, wrote the review for us and he loved it. Uh, for me, I just could not, I did not take to it at, at all. Um, and I, I'm, I'm sad about that because I love Marco Rudy and I think Alesh Kott is extremely talented, but the, the combination of the two just did not work for me. Hmm. Um, Justice League, number 34. This is uh, Jeff Johns and I believe Scott Collins is the is the artist on this one. Um, I, I said this on Twitter, but uh, 
this book has become where it started out. I think very, very hit and miss, more miss than hit, has become one of the most consistent books that DC is putting out uh, every month. Uh, every single issue, definitely since Forever Evil, but before that, probably since Throne of Atlantis, uh, I, I feel like has been solid in and out. And to me, like the the, the book at times will hit really high heights, but to be a really good to great comic, not one of the best, not a fantastic comic. You need to be solid every month and then have great, co- great issues every few months, right? Yeah. Because that way, at least you know what you're getting. You know if you like it or not. And when it when it has those spikes, it's really it's really great, and it kind of validates your purchase of the book. And I feel like Johns has really kind of hit that stride that I expected him to hit way back when he started the book three years ago. I think at this point. Um, it, I'm just in with everything that he's doing. Um, here we have nice scenes with each individual, individual but team, the groups of of uh, the Justice League kind of dealing with Lex Luthor and trying to, you know, um, show him how to be a hero. And there's a great scene with Wonder Woman where she's just she's just helping people and, and, and uh, really showing Lex what it means to be a hero. Great scene between the new green, the new Power Ring, I guess, and the Flash. Um, some great Superman stuff, uh, some cool stuff with Captain Cold, and, and an ending that uh, really kind of changes up some stuff in, in a really, really cool way. Uh, the art is great. Uh, you know, Scott Collins does a really wonderful job. Detailed, big superhero stuff. Um, just great. I just like 34. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I poured through mm. Winter Soldier in the store. Loved the Marco Rudy New Avengers annual. Mm-hmm. The Doctor Strange was one of the best yeah. things I read this yeah. year. And I was in the same place you were. It, I love Jim Steranko, love JH. It's those guys on acid. Yeah. <laughs> it is, no, it is that pl- knee plus ultra into someplace mm-hmm. else and dense dialogue. Oh, yeah, really dense. I'm trying to look through this quickly in the store. I was like, I, no. <laughs> I wanted to love this book and I couldn't. Yeah, I, no, I agree with you. I think the thing about the great thing about um, I think it was Frank Barbieri who wrote that New Avengers annual yes. with Marco mm-hmm. Rudy. Uh, I think you need kind of one or the other, right? You need Frank Barbieri's prose is is, is relatively straightforward. Yeah, it's kind of terse, it, yep. and the art is crazy and big and somewhat confusing. But if you, you can focus on one or the other, if you're trying to focus on both. It's really, really tough, and at least for me, to, to be able to, to follow along with it. Um, I mean, you get a little bit in in the two issues of Sandman that we've gotten three issues. I don't even I don't even know where we're at this point. We're done. Yeah. Um, it's been going on for a yep. year, and we've had three issues of the book. But um, I, I think that you get that there a little bit too, because Neil Gaiman is not the most straightforward writer in the mm-hmm. entire world, and maybe it's just because of his reputation and who he is. But when you're reading Neil Gaiman, right, no matter how confusing it is, you feel like. There's something else behind it. There's something else there. There's a rich kind of literary nature. Yeah, it's lyrical. In it's a lyri- way. Yeah. It's a song. It's yeah. a symphony. Whatever you want to say. It's really you're carried through on his word. This disconnected. To yeah. Me. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Um, yeah. I, I really wanted to love it, and, and I just didn't. Yeah. The last mini was so great. Yeah. It was. Did Steve? I know you're a big Alesh Cot fan. Did you yeah. read Bucky Barnes Winter Soldier? I have not had the time. I did okay. purchase it. Um, but I mean, I can already tell I, th- I thumbed through it in my living room and I was just like, okay, right. like, I haven't even, <laughs> I haven't even started this and it already, I was a bit overwhelmed mm-hmm. and I'm kind of, I've, I'm familiar with both. I could definitely see the pairing ending up like the, the sum of the parts just being too much for people. That said, I'm still very much looking forward to it because mm-hmm. I enjoy both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I haven't formed a whole opinion, uh, for sure just yet, but 
Um, it strikes me as something that perhaps I'll check out the first issue. And if it's something that I might be interested in, I know this isn't great for sales of the book, but I might wait for the trade because there are... We're both in trouble now. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, because there are times when like, I'm in the mood for something like that. I'm in the mood for something really yeah. cerebral and really dense. And like, I'll sit down. That'll be the only thing that I read that evening. But like, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to read the trade of, you know, Alash Kotz. Uh, Bucky Barnes, and it's um, you know, my brain's gonna be on the floor by the right. end of it. Yeah. My eyes will be bulging out of my skull from the <laughs> Marco Rudy artwork. Um, so when that evening strikes, it'll be there. I hope. All right. And yeah. sometimes you need a palate cleanser. You know, you, you you've read something dense and you want to move on, but I, other times you want to be immersed. Yeah, I mean, we we all world. have our things, right? Like on the show, we all have our, our different opinions and tastes and stuff like that. I tend to really enjoy that stuff from time to time. So this might be a book that like I come back and I'm like, well, yeah, you know, like this is, yeah. this is awesome. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I don't know. I'm still excited to read it. Um, but I, I've heard like, you're the third person that I've heard talk about this book uh, since it came out and everybody's pretty much said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping to not so much be the exception, but just to, you know, extract what I can out of it and right. just appreciate the work of both artists. Right. Well, I mean, you're a big fan of Alesh Kot, so yeah, you never really... you never want to go in being like, I'm not going to like this book right. by this writer I really like. Right. You know, yeah, so absolutely. But I also try to, um, you know, I've been uh, talking a lot about the show Gotham yeah. and um, our, our friend uh, Courtney, uh, you know, she... I'm really enjoying, uh, I was really enjoying, I would say, the, the, the Penguin character. Um, but one of the things that she had, she had tweeted to me or said to me is that she's like, I love him so much. Like, he could be doing anything, and I would love it. Mm. And I kind of, I understand that sentiment, but at the same time, I, I don't always swing that way mm-hmm. for things. Like, I, I am critical to an extent. Like, I really, I'm not going to go on about it, but I really, really enjoyed the first episode of Gotham mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty solid had some kinks in it but you know might work out loathed loathed <laughs> the second one everything that Stephanie said about it last time we were together was spot on Stephanie's always right uh-huh. yeah it was whoa 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 let's not get crazy here guys <laughs> All right. I've been drinking okay? yeah. <laughs> I just I, I was I was blown away I was blown away mm-hmm. and, and I just finished watching the third episode before coming here mm-hmm. And uh, I'm I'm just, I'm so disappointed. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm still watching it. I'm still hopeful, but my God, dipped. Hugh, hard. can can you give us your uh, Alfred impression from Gotham? Uh, no, no. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. Oh, Bruce, you little bugger! <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what are you booning your hand for, you little bastard? <laughs> <laughs> give us a hug. <laughs> yeah. I'll hug you, you until you die from it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me and me and Rob watched the third episode last night, and we laughed our way through it. (laughs) It, Yeah, if you want to sit down and watch it and with a friend and just you know Mm -hmm. take the piss out of it, then (laughs) it's a good show for that, in my opinion. (laughs) All right, let's not let's not harp on Gotham. Let's uh, let's let's move on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So we're gonna go books of the week now. We we all kind of want to talk about a couple of the books that that we were gonna talk about here, but. Let's kind of go around and talk about the books that are kind of outside those couple of books. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. I know Steve has something, Bob has something, and Stephanie has yeah. something that's kind of outside of the, the, uh, the, the, the big book that we really want to talk about. Um, so, uh, Stephanie, what was, uh, what was the book you wanted to talk about? So, uh, I had a I, – I was going to talk about a couple things, but I didn't wind up talking about one of them in my lightning round. <laughs> I suppose I probably could have done that with the extra minute I had, yes, but yeah. whatever. <laughs> um, that's okay. So 
last week I interrupted Bobby numerous times during the new releases, and one of those interruptions was to talk about Battling Boy, The Rise of Aurora West, which is um, by Paul Pope, uh, and he doesn't do the art, I think, for this one. Instead, it's David Rubin, um, and J.T. Petty also co-writes this with him. So for anyone who read Battling Boy, um, it this is a sequel prequel. So it's a continuation of the story. Like it, it, it takes place um, in Acropolis, um, but this is focusing on Aurora West, who is Haggard West's daughter. You meet her in Battling Boy um, after the untimely demise of her father, <gasps> the hero Haggard West. Um, so in the future, uh, she, uh, you see her, you know, helping out Battling Boy and becoming friends with him there. And this is her beginning and how she got trained to be a monster hunter and what her upbringing was like. And it's a story that focuses on um, her solving a mystery amidst her lessons, um, uh, like school lessons, her martial arts training, her monster hunter training, and doing the rounds as her father's sidekick. Um, And the mystery she has to solve is what happened to her mother. Um, And she's looking for the truth, even though this kind of uh, really set off some, um, the whole event of, you know, losing her mother set off a lot of horrible events as one can imagine um, in her life and her father's life and uh, the lives of everyone around them. And uh, yeah, this is an interesting take on, you know, what comes before and i don't i i can't really say if i like it better than battling boy um it's it's really really cool i I really like this story especially from um aurora's perspective um but they're different you know so it's not really liking one better than the other they're different characters focusing on different aspects of this world you know battling boys trying to prove um himself to his father and uh you know, trying to kind of earn his place in their world where Aurora West is already in the place that she, you know, is, has settled her roots down. She's already at home trying to save what's left of it. Uh, and the art is a lot different than Battling Boy because um, I believe Paul Pope illustrated that, but it works for this. It's kind of like, it's like, Paul Pope meets like anime meets Adventure Time, but wow. serious. No, wait, wait, stop. <laughs> you said a lot of different be. things there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just saying. Jackson Pollock. You'll, you'll read it and you'll see what I mean. But uh, it's excellent. It's all in black and white, but it's a really, really cool story. And um, it, I don't know, it just was really cool. And I like that. Um, you know, we talk a lot about characters that are just fully formed characters. They have flaws. They're not invincible. And these two people are human. They're, they don't have superpowers. They just rely on their wits and, you know, training really, really hard nonstop. And there's a lot of focus on, uh, you know, that than the fact that they don't get to be um, vigilantes without the hard work that goes um, 
into all of that because they wouldn't survive five minutes otherwise. Uh, and the her kind of like nanny slash trainer is if anyone read Glory, uh, most recent, it's a oh, what's his name? Um, Joe Keating. Joe Keating. Well, no, no, no. It's originally. Uh, oh, it's originally our Liefeld book. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then most recently mm. it was uh, Keating and um, uh, Ross Campbell, but. She's kind of like her trainer's kind of, you know, just a big Amazon woman that's making sure that Aurora is getting, you know, kind of has a mother figure in her life um, and a kick ass role model outside of her father. And the whole story is really great. And I think you guys should check it out. Nice. Awesome. So, how do you feel about the way that this is kind of expanding this kind of battling boy universe that's been um, created? I really enjoyed it. I thought that, you know, the, I mean, Aurora West and Haggard West are in Battling Boy a little bit, but you don't really get to see a lot of them. And I believe they also released some Haggard West stuff in single issue. Um, and Aurora's a really cool character. And I would like to see, actually, I think there is going to be another volume of her story because it doesn't get resolved entirely. Mm. Um, but I, I actually almost, I know I said that I, you know, you can't really compare them. They're kind of, you know, just completely different because they focus on different things. But I might like this better just because Battling Boy was very, um, uh, you know, kind of like punch and kick and fight things. And Aurora West is Batman. Mm. You know, she she kicks ass and she's a detective. Um and she's not necessarily tortured in, you know, darkness. <laughs> um, but she does have her demons. And, you know, she's channeling them through what she does. And I like this expansion of it. I think it's it's a really interesting way to go, you know, n- to release this next instead of doing, like, another volume of Battling Boy. Right. Which I would assume we probably end up seeing next. I think so. I yeah. have... A suspicion they'll go back and forth but i uh i think this was a really cool decision for them to do and i'm really happy that i picked it up now some of the images i saw looked very sort of retro mm-hmm. with in all those other styles you're talking about did it have a sort of an older feel to it um a little bit okay. but it, it's kind of what i mean for like adventure time style like there's these scenes where, I mean, Adventure Time's obviously very cartoony. Pretty much right. anyone can kind of just draw that kind of basic stuff. But there's a couple scenes in Adventure Time where everything gets, like, weirdly stylized and, like, mm-hmm. artsy, I guess, kind of. And that's almost the style that Aurora West has okay. mixed with a bit of anime. And you're right, like, an older kind of comic style, mm-hmm. but modernized. I know that sounds so weird, but it, it's really a unique it's a re- unique style. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. I definitely am going to be checking that one out. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, I believe it came out just, yeah, last week. Yeah. But it's well, it really definitely, good. Well, it better have come out last week since you interrupted me. <laughs> wow. That's old you. <laughs> yes. That gibberish really put me in my place. It's a mystic spell, right? I'm so sparky. I got a little. All right, so that's um, The Rise of Aurora West mm-hmm. from First Second, right? Yep. Yeah. First Second? 
Yeah. Uh, Bob, what do you got? What do you got for oh, us here? Captain America number twenty-five. What? Yes. <laughs> what sorcery is this? This is the first issue of this Rick Remender Captain America I picked up in probably a year and a half, mm-hmm. and it's pretty amazing that as soon as I pick it up, there's Arnim Zola and his stupid kids still running around <laughs> after all this. I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> I want to pick this up because the next issue will be, you know, the full-fledged mm-hmm. Sam Wilson. And I got to say, I really did enjoy this issue that I didn't understand a lot of what was going on early on. But it was nice to see Sharon back. I got to tell you, even if you were reading it the whole time, most times when you're reading Rick Remender books, <laughs> okay. you don't really know what's going on. Um, <laughs> uh, there's some really great little moments here where you're really brought into who Sam is. It's sort of the, the Tom Sawyer thing. They talk about him at his funeral while he stands in the back of the mm-hmm. room. It's I don't want to give too much away, but I probably have already. But as people talk about who Sam is and what he means to the community in general, what he would do in, in this moment, and then there's a nice little twist. There's some really wonderful stuff here. And it's a shame because when Rick Remender started this, I enjoyed the first couple of issues a lot. And it was those small moments with Steve and his mom and dad and back in the Depression, and it all turned into this sci-fi gloppy nonsense where him throwing his shield through people's heads. And it's like, uh, next, <laughs> next. <laughs> After 50 years, I dropped Captain America. <laughs> I think I might be back to see Sam as oh, this wow. character because as this issue ends, there's some rough stuff in the middle I'll get to in a bit. But as we end with a great moment with now elderly Steve... And sort of passing the torch through and the characters, Sharon's back, which is nice to see. She was dead last I saw. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how that'll happen, but I'm sure they'll explain it eventually. <laughs> well, no, it's in this Rick Remender. No, you won't. They talk. also might have already no. explained it. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I, I, and you were reading it and didn't know yeah, that yeah, he explained yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So who cares? <laughs> but it's a really wonderful ending. And then there's an epilogue that makes no sense with some characters I've never seen before. <laughs> but somebody may know and you can inform me later. My one real caveat with this whole issue, there's a whole bunch of of humor attempted that is cute early on as people snark at each other, and we get into characters who don't snark at each other going for it. I'm sorry, Wanda's not funny. (laughs) She's never been funny, and it doesn't work here. The vision is telling jokes. Uh, You know... I know you thought it was funny to do that, Mr. Remender, but it doesn't work. But uh, on the whole, look, this is a really solid B plus. If I'm putting a grade to it, if I'm playing a school teacher, wow, it's a high grade, and it 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 has me intrigued to want to read another one. And what greater praise can you put on something? I want to read some more. Yeah, I'm excited because uh, Stuart Eminem is is going to be the artist for the the, the Sam Wilson yeah. run. So did that, some of this in here. Oh, he and did it looked really good. I think that's his, is that his cover. It looks I like a, it looks like it is. Cover. I think it is. They have him listed as. Side pencil with Carlos Pacheco. Okay. With lots of different inkers and a whole bunch of colorists. So gotcha. I think it's panel by panel, mm-hmm. page by page. Yeah, it is a great cover. And of course, they do address the who is the new within the issue. It's like there was no surprise, right? No, no, no. <laughs> There's never surprises. No. But really nicely done. All right. Cool. Awesome. Um, Steve. Yeah. Tell me about uh, your book. <laughs> <laughs> trying to read it from over there? No, I, was, I can't remember who it was. I was trying, I wasn't reading it. I was trying to think of it. It's Sing No Evil. Sing No Evil. Okay, yeah. Okay. Sign No Evil. Sign, it's, <laughs> it's, a, it's about American yeah, Sign yeah, Language. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, the, okay. 
I just I want to pre- I want to preface with uh, my my talk about this with uh, just something for for people that are in the forums. Um, we've kind of in the past couple of weeks have rejuvenated the. Um, we have a thread called Steve's Jukebox where I share a bunch of music that I listen to, and other people are making suggestions, and cool. and it's it's fantastic. It's a really cool place if you want to check out some some cool music. Um, for anybody who's a frequent uh, flyer on that thread. Buy this book that I'm about to talk about. It's called Sing No Evil. The, for the people in that thread, this book is for I want us in quotes. Okay, so Sing No Evil is a collaborative effort uh, from JP. I'm trying to get this right. JP Ahonen and KP Alaire. Uh, JP is actually the creator of the Scholastic series Amulet. That's I, I, I when you showed me the book, I was like, I recognize this name, and right. I just couldn't know where I didn't know where it was from. Right. Yeah. So um, I found out about this book actually through uh, Becky Cloonan's Twitter account. She posted, you know, she's like, you've got to buy, she actually has a mention in the back of this book, a thank you. And she's like, you guys have got to check this out. This was maybe three weeks ago. Mm. And she posted a uh, photo of the cover and I bought it right Mm. then and there just based off of the cover. The cover is this just absolutely gorgeous, um, like action shot of uh, the character, the main character, Axel, just wailing on his guitar jumping into the air and just giving you this this sensation of of all this crazy crazy emotional uh music happening behind him and i i looked at it and i went yeah and i pre-ordered it on amazon it was like 12 bucks and uh it arrived while i was in canada and i had the opportunity to read it and i mean the this this bob gave um, Captain America, B plus. This is an A plus uh, from me. This is a story about um, Axel, who I'm going to go through this stuff. It's about a band called uh, Perkaros. They're, uh, I guess, they're Finnish. They're 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 from Finland, and this is a book about a band trying to make something of themselves, and not a band that like they suck and you know mm. will they ever be good and you know maybe something comes along magic that makes them awesome and everybody loves them. They're already good. The problem is, is that their vocalist, Axel, is a perfectionist who, unfortunately, he's a front man with a stutter. And he's uh-huh. taken this stutter and he has tried to, you know, weave it into their music, claiming that it's like a new vocal style and that you have to, you know, you have to dig and be hip to it and kind of understand what we're trying to do, a new movement of music. And nobody's hip to it. Everybody loves the music. They can't stand the vocals. So the band, uh, if I may, Perkaros are Axel, the perfectionist front man with a stutter. Lily, the keyboardist looking for a break. Uh, Kirvnen is the bassist, a hippie bassist who's been around the block a few hundred times. It's very significant. Bear, the drummer, who is in fact just a bear, mm-hmm. you know, because why not? And uh, Aiden, the pizza delivery guy with a voice that'll give you visions. Now, uh, the general idea of, of this story, it, it is about a band trying to make it. It's about Axel trying to keep his relationship with his girlfriend together while trying to, you know, have a relationship with his bandmates. And they're trying to play this festival called the Rocktoberfest. And they've been working on their songs. They're trying to get their demo ready. They're trying to get their website ready, choose a logo, all these things that bands have to do. Um, I had a band a long time ago, um, a couple of years ago, called Static Poetry, that I 
was a perfectionist vocally, like lyrically. When I would write my stuff, I would pour over it again and again and do constant rewrites, much to the dismay of my bandmates. They hated it because we would perform live and I would be singing different lyrics and they'd be like, where the hell did that come from? Like, I think it sounds better like this. So I'm thumbing through this book and Axel, not only does he listen to Opeth, who is one of my favorite metal bands, he's walking around in a tool shirt and he's got long blonde hair. He's kind of wiry and he's got a black tool shirt on and I just, I flipped the page. I went, oh my God. There I am. <laughs> and I messaged uh, JP over Twitter and he and I just had this like back and forth conversation about the likeness. And he's like, well, dude, he's like, you know, if you want, I'll give him a beard for uh, for the next issue, the next uh, volume. <laughs> and um, as a little aside for um, when I'm done talking about this, if you happen to be going to New York City Comic Con, he uh, will have a kiosk or booth. He will be at the show. And uh, I assume, I hope that he'll be uh, he'll have copies of this book and possibly uh, other volumes of Amulet so on and so oh. forth. Um, so getting to the getting to the meat of this, this is a story that is not only are you reading about a band and you know you're you want them to make it and all these things like that. There's also a supernatural element to this book, and it's very subtle. It's one of those things. I mean, this is probably about 200 pages. Maybe like three or four times throughout the story, are there kind of like strange happenings or unexplained things? That happened, and like you're reading those few pages, and you just went like, "What the hell's going on?" And then before you know it, you're back in the rehearsal space, or you're back at the bar, and and it's almost like an afterthought. So you it kind of goes away from you, and then towards the finale of the book, all of those supernatural elements come together. And the reason for that, without giving too much of it away, is that music is treated in this book as a sacred art that has almost kind of like mystical or magical abilities throughout time that in today's society and today's musical industry that we've forgotten about that we no longer tap into and there are rhythms there are you know tablatures and there are riffs and ways that if you tap into them you can awaken this magic uh, Axel, as he's going through all of these, you know, trials and tribulations with his relationship with his girlfriend, with his band, with trying to make it and trying to basically trying to be somebody and have all this time that he's spending on this band and not working and people saying he's a shiftless layabout and you're never going to amount to anything that he wants this so bad that he goes to sleep thinking about music. And when he sleeps, he has these almost like prophetic dreams in reverse and he's tapping into these ancient ways of playing music. And in his sleep, he's like, you know, working on riffs and things like that. And he like, all of a sudden he starts to levitate. He starts to float and he starts to create just happenings and scenes like these, like, you know, almost you saw it, but you didn't like hallucinations through music kind of thing. And um, just really quick to put it into perspective, uh, I want to read a quick conversation between uh kiernan and axel uh later in the book they're talking about what music means to them and you get the impression that kiernan has kind of been around for a long time he's been a roadie he's been in lots of bands he's played with everybody and it's kind of like the band joke that you know is any of this really true and they're kind of like you know we we let him think that it is but it isn't uh it might be because they get in, they get involved in a conversation here. That I just want to read this quick little passage. Uh, Axel is asking Kiernan. He says, uh, "Remember when you said that music flows in all living things? What did you mean exactly?" And Kiernan says, "Sound is vibration, is it not?" 
And throughout the universe, everything vibrates. In fact, that is all there is. Vibration in, in all its various forms. Even solid objects are mere illusion, for, the, for, they, for they consist of minuscule particles that are in constant motion. Therefore, all substances can be molded and controlled by the right vibration of sound or melody. And that plays out throughout the whole book that there's actually kind of a rival band that has already tapped into this this thing that Axel's trying to figure out. They know about the ancient forms of music, and they're using it to their ends to gain their audience. And all of those supernatural elements come to a giant finale at the end where all the curtains blown back on what's happening in this finished music scene. And it's just amazing. It's amazing. The artwork for this book is like spellbinding. I, I was showing, you know, I was passing the book around earlier. Some of these pages are just absolutely beautiful. If you've ever seen the artwork from Amulet, um, you'll kind of know what to expect, but this is like JP and, and, and KP Allaire, like next level stuff that they're doing. You can actually hear the music that they're playing. Like all the lyrics are there. You can look at the positioning of their fingers and you, I mean, I know a couple of chords so I can hear some of the music and it just explodes off of the page. There are, you know, six whole pages of a performance and it's all just chaos, like chaos through sound and it's beautiful. So, um, yeah, I really, I can't say enough nice things about this. Definitely go, if you're going to New York City Comic Con, uh, seek out JP. I could actually tell you where he's going to be maybe at the close of the show and um, yeah, I, it's called Sing No Evil, and it's published by uh, Abrams Comic Arts. Uh, you can find it on Amazon. You can find it in your local comic shop. If you're at all a lover of music, particularly um, metal or or just or heavy music in general, you will fall in love with this book. Absolutely. Oh. All right. Yeah, I'm passionate about it, as you can see. <laughs> um, all right, cool. Uh, so before we get into uh, our, uh, our two books that we're going to talk about big time here, uh, Thor and Go- Gotham Academy. I just want to mention a couple of books that are actually coming out this week um, because we might be doing a show this coming week. But usually a comic, a New York Comic Con, we take the week off because we have a bunch of interviews to put up. But we'll, we'll see. Uh, in case we do not record and you guys are here in the interview show, um, I had a chance to read uh, Witches by Scott Snyder and, and Jock. Um, and it... <sighs> <laughs> uh, and it is as good as you probably assume that that it's going to be. Sweet, excited. Uh, it's pretty amazing, um, terrifying, uh, nightmare fuel. I think is the best words to describe it. Uh, it, it Snyder Scott writes it fantastically, um, but that's a shocker. But it's Jock. It, it's the, it takes it from being a really creepy thing to being a downright disturbing thing to, I love that guy's to, 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 to to read. Um, the colors by Matt Hollingsworth also add a ton to it is, but I mean, I'll just talk about the opening pages for a second, but the opening pages, it's very, it's, Jock has a tendency to sometimes get very scratchy, right? With, with his art, his lines get very scratchy. It's, and, and you're, you're trying to see what it is, right? You're, you're trying to parse through what these scratches are. But then once you see what's behind the scratches, you kind of wish that you could take it all back <laughs> and not have tried to look at what was behind Nice all the scratches. There's some really terrifying imagery. Um, it's really, really personal. You know, it feels like, it feels like one of those stories that you'd make up as a kid, but it ends up being real, you know? Uh, um, uh, it's just great, great, great stuff. Um, definitely something people should, people should check out. Um, Stephanie, you, by your reaction, did you check it out already? 
I've just skimmed through okay. it. Uh, I, I picked it up and put it on my iPad to check it out, but I, I didn't get into it because I figured I wouldn't be allowed to talk about it, and I kind of figured if I read it, I would want to talk about right, it. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying, in case we don't, we didn't, we don't get to talk about it next week. Um, uh, Birthright Number One by Joshua Williamson, um, really fantastic. It's a book. I'm that, so looking forward to that. A book everybody should be checking out. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say a ton because it, it's a lot of mystery involved in what the book is about. Uh, but it's really, really great, and something people should be checking out. Um, and I also got a chance to read Batgirl number thirty-five. I know Stephanie so did as well. Cool. And somebody, uh, somebody hooked you up. <laughs> um, it yes, is connections. Awesome. <laughs> uh, get get ready because it is exactly what you're hoping. I have my when I, when we get out of here, yeah. I got my copy. You just texted me. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> um, the art, the everything. Yeah, everything is great. That's it, awesome. It, it's it's exactly what. Um, you know, y- y- you want it to be. I, I don't want to get too into it because in case we do record next week, we'll obviously go in depth with all this stuff. But those are three books that if you're in the comic shop tomorrow and if you're on the fence about any of them, buy them because they're all mm. three of them are excellent. Oh. I just want to say, like, it's just so nice to see Barbara act her age mm. and to be fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Some great stuff. So a, a nice appearance by another uh, another Birds of Prey, I guess say. Um, that is that is really really great. The detective vision stuff that Babs talked about on the sh- when she was on the show a couple weeks ago is really nice. Um, and, you know, after hearing them talk about it, I think I mentioned that it, it, what they were talking about seemed like what Mark Way did with Daredevil. And there's a lot in common between those two books. Awesome. So I, I think people are really going to love it. So definitely. I think that's exactly like what you said when you uh, like texted me. You were like, holy crap, Daredevil. Yeah. There, there's a scene where it's just the, the panel layout, everything. It's like it's it's next level stuff. And it's not stuff that. It's definitely out of house style uh, for, for DC, but I think in a way that's really going to push it re- really, really nicely. Yes. Um, yes. I, I think it, 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 all the excitement we had about it is clearly founded. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Yeah. Let's get everyone to make sure they buy it. Now, yes. let's not just be excited. Let's yeah. buy. Let's buy mm. extras for friends and yes. acquaintances and the rest. Let's mm. make sure this. Yes. I and. don't care if I'm a shill. Yeah. Let's, because it's important. Yeah. And, 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 and if you love it. Yeah. pre-order next month yes too. absolutely yes. yeah and having read it now bob no problem shilling it because it's 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 great it's awesome. objectively great and it's not not because we talk to them not, you know whatever mm-hmm. it, it's a great book even if we hadn't spoken to them so right definitely no, check it out I'm so excited so psyched um, for tomorrow can i just today real quick yeah Later. follow up to uh to my book um jp will be at new york city comic-con at the abrams comic arts booth that is number two on uh twenty two twenty eight so go and check them out. He'll be he'll have copies of the books, their signings, and so forth. Um, I highly, highly recommend it. Cool, awesome. I'll be, I'll be hitting that. All right, yes. yeah, man, it's so good. So let's talk a little about Thor. We're gonna Just we're gonna say, close uh, with Gotham Academy because I, I I think it deserves a closing spot uh, for this discussion. But Stephanie, uh, um, we actually didn't talk about. It. Did you get a chance to read Thor? I did. Okay, great. So we'll we'll have a full conversation about this. And Hugh, you read it as well, right? Um, yeah, my plane was delayed, so I downloaded it onto my phone. <laughs> and read it. So you've been relatively silent because you hadn't, you didn't have any, um, mm-hmm. you didn't have any uh, lightning round books. Uh, what did you think of Thor number one, Hugh? I really liked it. I, I, some people might have a bit of a uh, a gripe with the fact that it doesn't reveal. Whilst you see, you know, the new Thor, you yes. don't know who it is yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I quite like that. I, you know, I, I like a bit of mystery in a book. Um, the art I 
really really enjoyed um really cool from you know looking at it on my phone screen um <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen it on page but um no the i'd love the whole like the whole bits on the moon the you know the way Thor's sort of anguish about his complete loss of power and his you know his fall from grace just you know and him going after Malekith and basically getting the shit kicked out of him so <laughs> um no I'm I think I I think f- I've been reading um Thor God of Thunder on um the unlimited app um but I think I'll definitely be adding this to my pull list every month now have you reading this have you read the whole run through yes. that yeah okay mm-hmm. cool. cool awesome um so yeah uh stephanie what did you think of thor number one um i wish that it had given you a bit more of an introduction to thur <laughs> how i'm gonna refer to her as um because you know like i felt like this was a zero issue uh and when you hype up this is going to be the change of everything. Like you want the change of everything. I, this should have been the end of the last series or a zero issue. And this really should have been a full book of thir. Thir. Yep. (laughs) Uh, And I mean, it's good. It's a good book. Don't mistake what I'm saying for me thinking that it's bad. It's just, bad for what it should have been what you what you wanted and expected it didn't yes. fulfill those 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 thoughts yeah, um, the art is great the story obviously has a lot of potential to be great um but uh it's not as advertised i, I think jason aaron did an interesting thing here right because and i think bob and i talked about this a little bit on the mm-hmm. phone the, the other day in that if this had been the last issue of like you know Thor number twenty five or whatever, I-, I feel like people picking up Thor number one wouldn't have gotten probably the the weight of, of what's happening because I still think that Thim is going yeah. to be a, a, a pretty major part of, of the storyline at least you know that the, the depowered Thor is going to be a big part going forward. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Jason Aaron has kind of said as much. And, and I think that without giving this context to what's going on, um, I, I feel like a lot of people picking up this up for the first time would have been uh, would have missed the, the the whatever gravitas he's trying to put forward. I mean, that being said, there is very little of the the female Thor in, in this. It's just really a tease of, of what's happening. Right. Um, that being said, I do agree with everyone said. I think the the art by Russell Dowderman is is awesome. Um, it's a big, big change up, obviously, from what God of Thunder w- was looking like. It's, it's not, um, that painterly, uh, style that, that was going on before with Isad Ribic. Uh, it, it, you know, um, but I, I think that it's going to fit what the story is going to be going forward, uh, very, very well. Uh, I felt Thor's anguish not being able to pick up the hammer. I literally felt bad for him. When he couldn't pick up the hammer, yeah, and I I loved that feeling. I thought that that was a really impressive storytelling thing to pull off. And obviously, he's you, everyone knows who Thor is at this point. Everyone knows that the hammer is a big part. If you watch the movie and then you read this book, you would still get kind of the, you know, the idea of it. All the, there's really no characters that haven't appeared in the movies mm-hmm. in, yeah. in in this in this issue of, of Thor. Right. Um, but I think that using what you know about Thor and doing what he did with them, I, I felt like it was very 
um, very, very effective. Uh, Steve, as someone who's been reading Thor God of Thunder mm-hmm. and, and, you know, has talked very, very highly about it for two years now since it started. Yeah. Um, what did you think about Thor number one? Um, I really, really appreciate the way that it, that it began. I, um, you know, I've been, I, I've actually voiced my, my discontent with the idea of not knowing who the new Thor is like, I'm like, you know, four issues, five Mm. issues. And it's, you know, it's always the tease. It's always, and here it is yet again. But, but with that said, um, for all that we've gotten of that kind of stuff, we, Thor's been kind of away. Like people have been asking, you know, where's Thor? They asked in Avengers, like, Mm. where, where is he? You know, he's, he should be here. And now he's on the moon. We know that he's there. But we don't know what's happening on the moon. We haven't seen that stuff yet. What kind of anguish is he going through? Who's there? Who's gonna Who's gonna come to him and be like, dude, come on, hmm. like you know, you gotta come home. You gotta give it up. You gotta figure something else out. Obviously, this is not working, and that's exactly what we got with this issue. Um, I do think that it's misleading in that they, you know, this was billed as the issue where there, you know, female Thor comes onto the scene. She does, but not in the way that you know you would you were led to believe um i'm okay with that at this point i've gone four or five issues without knowing um i almost i don't want to jinx anything but i almost feel like we might not know i could be completely wrong but i almost feel like at this point that we might not even know for a while indefinitely that maybe we'll see her in action but i don't know that she's going to take the helmet off anytime soon Mm, right you know like that reveal is going to be like, it's going to be all over bleeding cool. It's going to be all <laughs> over, you know, and that, that wasn't happening with this. And obviously there were early copies. There were digital copies that went out or, or, you know, pre-scans or whatever. Um, but as far as the quality of writing, it really kind of made me realize something about Jason Aaron's Thor in general. I've been reading it, God of Thunder, since the start, all the way through to this. And with this issue and the way that this was set up, I was like, this is... Jason Aaron channeling Hickman's Fantastic Four. Like there are pieces and things that happen within this issue that we've we've been waiting for for a long time. We've seen hints of it in in Future Thor, Old Man Thor, and stuff like that. You know, Thor has lost more than just the hammer with at this point with this issue. And we finally get to see how that happened here you know you need it you couldn't it couldn't i i didn't i didn't see this issue going like you know right out of the box bam female thor and we're off on an adventure as much as they they made it appear that it was going to be that way like if i didn't get those pieces if i didn't see the struggle with him on the moon with the hammer and people trying to to coach him to walk away from it and and odin you know, come in and be like, you know, what's going on here? This is preposterous. You know, you know, we're the God. We're, you know, let me pick that thing up. Give it here. And he just, he yanks on it and nothing, Mm -hmm. you know, and just the message of, you know, there, there has to always be a Thor. Mm -hmm. That one line was so powerful, especially if, if you've been reading Jason Aaron's Thor God of Thunder, you've been like, you know, it's one of those like fist pumping lines. You're just like, um, yeah, I, I, I loved it. I really, um, I'm so ready for this new era of, of Thor. I think it's going to be really interesting. And I'm so glad that they kept Jason Aaron on the book. It makes me feel like this was like planned way, way, way back before it was on the view, before it was a news story, before it was anything. 
like he said, you know, eventually this is where we're going. Mm. And now we're starting to see the pieces come together. Bob, what about you? It was good. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> no. I haven't read Thor's solo book regularly since Walt Simonson left. We're talking 25 years ago. I found that I could pick up the threads of what happened without needing to know the events. Here's some original mm. sin stuff. Bad stuff happened. Mm. He got whispered to. Mm. And now he's not worthy. And if you're a fan of Thor and the mythology behind Thor all these years, that's all you need to know, really. That something has changed the status quo. And that frustration, the anxiety that now he's incomplete, he isn't worthy anymore, permeates this entire book. The, the Freya-Odin back and forth is just incredible. Her line when uh, they're talking about, well, you just, Odin, you just coddled him. Yeah. Mm. And then when he can't pick up the hammer, oh, did I coddle you too? <laughs> yeah. yeah. She's just so condescending to him. Yeah. It is so great. She's been doing a great job, apparently, mm. in between while well, Odin's off. She has been. Whatever he's yeah. doing. And that's, and yeah. when, when, he, when he steps to her like that and she comes back at him, so satisfying. Mm. Yeah. You've got amazing art. You've got a whole little backstory going with Roxxon. It's always good mm. to see some sort of old-time Marvel super villainy happening. Frost Giants. Malekith. Mm-hmm. who's really, really evil here, who does mm-hmm. something really awful Yep. moving forward. And a couple of those fist-pumping moments. The ending is really satisfying, even though I don't know what's going on. Mm. It's a way, I know the having the event would have been satisfying, that this is, maybe this should have been a zero mm. in that way. But for me, as someone who comes from the outside, it was a perfect jumping-on point, where I now don't feel left out, and moving forward, I'm engaged. Mm-hmm. Will you be buying it? I want to see what's going to happen. There's mm-hmm. no question. I don't think we know who the new Thor is. Mm-hmm. There are clues here that I think it's just a red herring. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But that said, going back a long ways, I, I always go back a long ways. Um, when John Byrne was doing Wonder Woman, he actually killed her, had her revert to her clay, and she became the goddess of truth which is where she should be, not the goddess of war, and I'm not going to go down that road again. However, he wanted to correct a problem that all the crises had pushed up. Well, how could Wonder Woman be in the Justice Society? Well, he took her mother, who went back into World War II and became Wonder Woman in the Justice Society stories. I'm not so sure that something like that couldn't happen here, (laughs) and it might be a lot of fun. Now, could that be Freya? Could it be Thor's... Daughters, who we saw in, was that the agent of Asgard? Or was that the original Sin? Well, that was, um, no, no. The original Sin was Loki and, and Thor. So it must have been the... We've seen them like peppered throughout okay. the series. But the final issue, 25, was them reading from the right, story. Okay, books. so it was 25. Okay, yeah. so maybe it's one of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's still Valkyrie. But I'm, I'm thinking family. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking family. I really enjoy it. The art's magnificent. Mm. Really, and the colors too. Yeah. Let's just talk about the whole thing. It was uh, Matthew Wilson on color. Wow. Great book. And I had no clue I was really going to like this, and I really enjoyed the heck out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Let's go on to the, the main event here uh, Gotham Academy number <gasps> one. Yeah, yo. Uh, um, Stephanie, I want you to go first on this one. Um, wow. Where do we even start? <laughs> uh, you know, we had, again, when we were talking about Batgirl a moment ago, Bobby brought up, uh, we had 
uh, Brendan Fletcher on the show uh, a couple weeks ago, and on the weekend I was at uh, the Gotham Academy launch in Toronto. And every now and again, when you uh, strike up friendships with some of these creators, it it's like one of those things where it's like, well, what if their book sucks? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do when you have really cool people, you really like them, you really want their book to do well, and their book sucks? What'd you think? And, it was great. <laughs> and the Can thing is, I, I <laughs> haven't had to experience that Yes, there yet. we go. Gotham Academy, I, I, I got to read it a little while ago, and it just blew me out of the water. It was so phenomenal. Um, Bobby's going to kill me for bringing this up, but uh, we on Misfits, we had Brendan Fletcher on Monday. <laughs> um, but he brought up, he asked us what we thought we should see in comics, like what we want DC to do more of, what we want comics to do more of. And I said, you know, I, I want more YA comics like this because this is ushering in, you know, a, a new age of readers while, you know, remaining accessible to readers that are already out there like us, all ages. And this book just has everything. It has no continuity like previous continuity that you need to know to jump on board. The art is phenomenal. Um, you know, they said, uh, I think Brendan and Carl and Becky said that they actively even tried to make Gotham Academy and the buildings characters themselves. And I get that. Mm -hmm. I really, really get that. Everything has personality in this. You know, it, it, it's like, it is like Hogwarts in the sense that you just have this connection to the school and the characters and you just want to hug maps. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> she is so freaking cute. And then Pomeline. Oh, I want more Pomeline <laughs> so badly. And it's just, you know, there's angst, but it's not riddled with angst. It's, it feels like something that, you know, like like teenagers, real uh, teenagers. Yes, real teenagers, um, and I loved it. I loved every second of it. The colors are outstanding, and there's just nothing to not enjoy. Yeah, I mean, I, I tell you, I I read um, the Winter Soldier book, and then I read Thor. I you know, and it was kind of like a up, an upscale for me, right? I read Winter Soldier, I was disappointed. I read Thor, I was like, okay, that was good. And then I read this, and I was really blown away by by what we got in Gotham Academy. Um, you know, when the book first got announced, and I think uh, I think I might have been on the show. It was just you and I, yes, <laughs> that we that got announced, and and we talked about it. And I have to admit, you know, f you know full disclosure that when I heard that Becky Cloonan was writing it and not drawing it. Um, not that she's not a good writer, but she's a, a fantastic artist who I love seeing her work. I was disappointed, right? I was like, oh, I wish she was. I wish she was doing the art on it. Um, and now, after having read it, uh, I can't imagine anyone but Carl Kershaw doing the art uh, on the book because it looks utterly fantastic. Um, it's got this kind of Disney Saturday morning cartoon type of vibe to it, uh, and and then. Writing-wise, Brendan Fletcher and Becky Cloonan, they knock it out of the park as far as creating characters, creating a place, creating a sense of, of a living, breathing environment. Um, they do it in one issue, 
what most people can't do in, in several issues. And I, I, we, I talked last week about when I was reading Prometheus and how there's a bunch of characters introduced and I couldn't sort them out from each other. That's the exact opposite of what happened here. First of all, they give them very interesting names. So, it, you know, you, maps and all of it. It's very, very easy to remember those people. Um, they're very distinct looking. Uh, and the events they get into uh, are, are really, really, you know, they're, they, they're familiar in ways and completely, you know, different in ways. I thought that some of the subtext that was going on in the book it w- was really interesting. That whatever is going on with Olive and Batman, whatever her history is with that that character, it's hinted at here. We don't get what it is. But I'm fascinated by what it, what it could mean. What did Batman do to someone that in her family that that makes her dislike him in the way that she does um or is it something completely different who, who knows uh you know the relationship between maps and olive i think is incredibly endearing and i i think obviously it's you know it's very shorthand as stephanie was saying to mention hogwarts and harry potter but the the school feels alive in the same way that school feels alive uh and I also want to say that the panel layout and stuff by Kershaw is, is fantastic. I mean, they're, they're, it's not just straightforward art. There's some really interesting dynamic panel design happening here as well. It, it blew me away, you know, and I think that there are very few books that we talk about that are truly something that all anyone can read. You know, that and I mentioned again that Harry Potter sort of sweet spot right which is something that you can be 10 years old and and love it or you can be 30 years old and love it it's very difficult to find that right usually you'll end up with something that's great for you know one and not so great for the other you know or or whatever or something that's it's interesting it's cute but it's boring to some people who who are are a little bit older this Mm -hmm. fits perfectly Mm -hmm. has so many layers a ton of layers a ton of layers and i was blown away by it I, i really i expected to like it I I was absolutely floored by it, so uh, I, it was it was really really spectacular. Um, Hugh, what did you think of it? Uh, I pretty much echo everything that everybody else has said. You know, um, when this got announced, like I say, you don't you you don't associate DC with fun comic books. <laughs> you know, they're quite you know they have their tone, and everybody knows what it is. Um, I sat down and read this book, and I loved it. You know, it's got you know cool themes one of one theme that i always love in comic books and always seems to hit home with me is you know themes like friendship and stuff like that and that's one really strong theme in this um the the art is like you say it's just it's like honey for the eyes it's <laughs> it's wow. it's so good um but yeah like you say me and steve mentioned before we before we started that you know it's very disney Esque, you've got you know the creepy headmaster who's walking around the grounds with a little candle on it, <laughs> and it's just good fun. It, you know, it's like a teen drama that you know feels like you know it's quite you know harkens back to old sort of um, you know famous five. <laughs> um, Steve mentioned the Hardy Boys earlier on, um, and you know it's I just I just really enjoyed it. I'm hope you know if. Like you say, if Batgirl's as fun as this is, and I think hopefully DC of uh, are going to start bringing out some really cool books. And the headmaster definitely—he looks like Rachel Ghoul to me. Yeah, that's what I said earlier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I will say, when we talked about Batgirl before, Batgirl is different than this. This this is like 
you you know you, you can give this to a twelve year old. Batgirl yeah. is definitely a, a a higher teen type of yeah. book, mm-hmm. uh, but definitely b- both really fun. Um, Steve, what do you think of it? I have officially. I, I I read this. I went to the shop in Canada the day this came out, bought it, brought it home, read it, and just fell in love with it. Fell in love with it. Um, you know, Stephanie was saying earlier, you know, when you know, you know people personally and then they have a big book coming out and it's a big deal because this book was a, is not, it was, is a big deal. Uh, and you just want it to be so good and it felt so good to read it and I put it down and I just like breathed a sigh of relief. I went, Oh, thank God. That was awesome because we've been touting it with, you know, without having read it and just being our, our excitement spoke for itself and then to to read the the finished product i am in love with the art the art is so everything about this book is fresh like that's the only way that i could think to describe it this coming out of the dc universe is it feels like something that is standing on the outside of pretty much all they do and just like shining outside of that circle and like just saying, you know, this is something new there, you know, come and come over to this side and and come and check us out. We're doing some, you know, some bright and colorful things over here and you know, the water is fine. And, um, I love the Harry Potter aspects of it. Um, I like that it, it doesn't feel like a comic book to me. It is a comic book, but it doesn't feel like one. I feel like I'm reading, not even reading. I felt like I was watching something. Like I was watching like a, a premiere episode of, of a new television show. Like the art has that TV quality to it. Like that really super fine polish. The, you know, the, the line work is super crisp. The way that they, they do this, uh, this like pattern overlay with their skirts and everything. And it just looks amazing and i love the kind of female-led hardy boys aspect of it of you know the capering around the school and trying to you know discover who you are by breaking the rules and you know the mist like there's several mysteries going on within this what is what is up with uh with olive and her her distaste for batman i don't know like i want to know about that what happened you know uh maps is absolutely adorable just super endearing and super cute right from the start. And that was, I thought, I think one of the most powerful things. I mean, you mentioned before that the school itself is a character. I always, when people were talking about the show Supernatural, I always mentioned the car in that show because I always felt like the car was its own thing. It goes through its own drama throughout the series. And this just feels like, you know, hitting on all levels for DC. For DC to be publishing a book like this and to come out with this, and to have it live up to all of the hype and all the excitement and everything and deliver this well, it, it, I, I respect them for, for being brave enough to put this out under their label, which, you know, they have their audience and they have their world and they have kind of a, there are some bright spots in the DC universe, but sometimes it's, it gets very dark for this to come out the way it did it is just, it's blindingly good and blindingly bright and cheerful while still being, you know, spooky and gloomy and Halloweenish and all of that kind of stuff. And it's just a beautiful blend. There's obviously a 
tremendous synergy between all of the creators on this book that they all, you know, you can tell that they really dig each other's talents. They respect one another and they got together and they created something really unique. Mm. And uh, I'm just super, super excited. And I'm so excited for Batgirl too. Like I'm so excited for this little corner of DC that I would love for these books to sell and for people to pre-order these books and for it to just be bigger and bigger and bigger and for, for them to go like, Hey, we need to put more things like this together. I think it, I think it would it would change the face of DC for mm-hmm. them. Bob, what, there's think? a name I want to make sure we mention here, mm-hmm. and it's editor Mark Doyle, mm-hmm. who is in charge of this, and mm-hmm. Batgirl, who is the fella shepherding all these projects through. And just as you're saying, Steve, to bring some light to this really dark corner of the of the DC universe is really really special. You've got a book that is it is spooky but sweetly so in the way mm-hmm. that Nancy Drew was, that mm-hmm. Buffy was, mm-hmm. that, that, that Scooby-Doo is, frankly. You've got characters with backstory where, where Olive mentions what happened in the past year. We don't know. Is it just the X, which is Map's brother mm-hmm. Kyle? Is it the Batman thing where you get that one little flashback mm-hmm. panel? She's on a Wayne scholarship, for goodness mm-hmm. sakes. You know, what, how did that happen? We're going to have to hear mm-hmm. what, what her expertise level is as we move forward. We have friendship and camaraderie and rivalries. We do want to see more Pomeline. We also saw uh, Colton. I don't know what's going on with him. He seems to be a sort of wavy kind of guy from across the lunchroom. We don't know what's happening there. Heroism, you know, from Olive. There's a moment where she has to do something really special, and we'll, we'll watch as we move forward if that plays itself out. You guys are talking about the, the school itself being... A character that bell tower is really scary and the layouts that bring you upwards within the page itself as as it happens mm-hmm. that's you know that's old time gotham city but here it is off on the side its own little place mm-hmm. just a super stunning book it is very easy to we hear a lot in from creators and editors and pundits that oh you know all layers isn't possible anymore all ages books don't sell and you're dumbing down and whatever and this is a book you can give to a, a, a nine or a ten year old and they'll be fine but you can give it to us as grown-ups and we're still fine mm. there's so much here as we've all lived that and it seems real they aren't just kids and or movie kids or comics kids they're mm-hmm. real kids i'm gonna say something that's gonna sound hyperbolic and i say mm-hmm. a lot of that sort of stuff because I've talked a lot over the last few months about Ms. Marvel and how it reminds me so much of Spider-Man when I was reading it back in the 60s. I think, not having read Batgirl yet, but you're saying this is a little, that may be a little older. Yeah. I think this book could be DC's Ms. Marvel. Hmm. That This is the book that changes things. Whether that percolates through everything else that goes on in there, I don't know. But if the numbers of this are good, and I'm, I know the reviews are going to be good from everyone mm. on this sort of book, can it change the way they think? That mm-hmm. there's, wait a minute, we don't have to do all that. We don't have to be a monolith anymore. There's an audience for this. They'll love it. They love our characters. They love the world we have. We have to give people something to read. And I think this is going to be it. Yeah. I mean, that's I want to what say- I said. <laughs> Sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying, that's what I said the other day. Bob, <laughs> Bob. Um, I, I think that, I, and I want to say too, like, because I, I think sometimes we say stuff like this, people think we're saying 
we want every single book that DC publishes to now be no, Gotham Academy. Not. Absolutely not. And that's absolutely not true. I mean, I, I'm speaking for everyone here. You know, uh, as good as Gotham Academy, absolutely. I think every publisher should strive to have a book that, that is as quality as it. But you need shades. And I think that's really, I think, what we've always been saying is that mm-hmm. um, I, I love, the, I, you know, I love a lot of the really dark stuff. And, and I love really light stuff and I just want to be able to get that stuff all from right. you know this publisher that whose characters that I, I really really love and I think that what's really cool about Gotham Academy is that yes it is it's delightful and and it and it, and it has a, a, a fun uh, sense to it at its heart but as you guys saying it's still it's interesting because it's still somehow in like a in, in, a, in a very kind of roundabout way still sort of in their milieu because it's mm-hmm. still it's got some scary stuff at the at the edges yes. you know yeah. that that last panel there's something creepy going on oh, yeah. In, yeah. in that mm-hmm. last panel and, and there seems to be something foreboding and, and almost malicious about the school in in, in some ways you know and it, i i felt like a very kind of goosebumps ish vibe yeah, dude, to, oh, totally. yeah. to totally. what i was reading at times like there's you know there there's going to be some scary stuff here and, and i like that you know that that extra sense i think is what makes it interesting in, in a lot of ways to people of all ages. Cause I think that mm-hmm. some of my favorite stories in the world. And the one of the reasons why Stephen King is one of my favorite authors is because he is it, a lot of his books are, here's a bunch of kids doing some really scary stuff. And, and, and I, I think that's why Harry Potter is so successful and so on and so on. And obviously the billions of YA novels that have come out mm-hmm. since Harry Potter. Um, but I, I feel like this book hits that, thing very nicely and i feel like the book also has the has the potential to much like harry potter mature along with its characters and i feel like it's not gonna be a book scared to talk about real things because it's important for people of all ages kids and adults to deal with real issues in literature and i feel like this book has the potential to do those Mm -hmm. things um really stellar stellar stuff i think it's going to be a a banner two weeks for for dc in a lot of ways um so yeah you know, I think it's good to have a book back that's, um, okay, tonally it's entirely different from mm. Gotham Central, but it's good to have a book, again, that's based in Gotham, but Batman is, a, okay, mm. he, you know, obviously he, you know, Gotham reverberates around yeah. Batman, yeah. but it that book isn't, it's not central, Batman isn't central to it. He, you know, he runs throughout themes throughout it obviously as you can mm. see in that but you know it's good to have a book back that's gonna lighten the tone and you can see you know what happens to kids in gotham who, right you know maybe they're orphans maybe you know maybe something's mm. happened to them like you say with with one of them being on a wayne foundation scholarship mm. why is that yeah mm-hmm. absolutely and it's funny because it's not just not batman focused it's not any bat character focused mm-hmm. yeah there's no bat anywhere in, in, in the name of the book which i think is is really fantastic um stephanie we've been going on for a while do you have any closing words about gotham academy no i just think that um like bob was saying shoot this is a book that's gonna usher in a, a new era for dc i truly do believe that this and that girl and it's really really important that you this is the time when DC's listening. Mark Doyle, along with these creators, went out on a limb to make this book. Amen. If you think DC was dying to put this book out, you're wrong. They weren't. These people went out on a limb to make this book for you and to cater to a new audience. If this book gets canceled and doesn't do well because you guys trade weight or don't pre-order or whatever, 
you can bet your ass that DC will cancel it in a heartbeat and say, see, told you so. This is so, so, so important that you guys get to your comic shops and pick up these books. I cannot reiterate that enough, especially for these two books that are coming out. Um, you guys want change in the industry? Show them that you want change. And show them with good books like this. Yeah. All right. Amen. I like it. Amen. That's a good way to close out this section. Um, we're going to take a little break and we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the canceling edition of X Factor and uh, the Batman price point. Right, we are back. Um, so we're going to cover our last two news stories here. Um, so uh, we heard about this a few weeks ago, uh, that Batman, uh, starting with issue number 35, which is out today, um, the beginning of Endgame would be retailing at $4.99 an issue. That's $5 an <laughs> issue. Um, and uh, we also heard Scott Snyder tweeted that him and Greg Capullo heard about it the same day that everyone else heard about it, and that they were talking to DC. Uh, and that DC was listening, so just hold on. And then today we found out um, that uh, that it worked. The, after 30, 35 will be four ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Going forward, it will be three ninety nine. Uh, so there's not too much to talk about in that story because we had a whole thing about like, what is it going to survive at four ninety nine? Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's going to be three ninety nine <laughs> no. now. So uh, we're not too much to talk about it. But I think it ties in directly to the other big news, which is that all new X Factor, uh, Peter David. Uh, written title is cancelled I've cursed this one twice you have <laughs> X Factor has been doubly cursed um, so alright so and it, some quotes came out w- w- from Peter as well and uh, I'll read it. this is from our website and he says uh, for some reason Bleeding Cool is associating with the fact that Quicksilver will be returning to the Avengers and that's why the book is going away no it's because not enough people are buying it um, he said all I did was write a book that got tons of positive write-ups um, which I guess is enough to encourage people to buy it when it comes out in trades. Oblivious to the fact that books get canceled when you do that. Um, we had a couple listeners ask us what we thought about uh, thought about uh, his statements and, and um, w- what we thought of them. Uh, so, Bob, obviously you here are the biggest Peter David fan, mm-hmm. biggest X Factor fan. Uh, first of all, how did you how do you feel about the cancellation? And then how do you feel about what what Peter said about the cancellation? Okay, first of all, I'm very sad this book is going away. It really found its rhythm about four issues in. Once everyone was introduced, we had a team together. It was a perfectly wonderful Peter David family of oddball characters that somehow formed their own little misfit group, and that it's that that kind of book can't find an audience is really sad. There's so much to be said about, as we've talked before, about tonalities and there being a a nice wide palette. And this felt different than everything else because it mostly because it's Peter, but also these characters who are also B and C and D levels and, and under. That... I tend to trade weight on indie things that seem to read better as lumps and try to support monthly books. But it is hard 
when a book like this, as good as it was, is shipping two and three books a month. You're asking people for a $13, $14, $15 investment. They're two, they're three, 99, however mm. it goes on. And that's hard. And that's not on Peter. That's on Marvel and that's on marketing. He was their salesperson. That's where he came to Marvel writing. He was in their sales department. He and I are a couple of months apart. He's from a different business model than came before and that worked for 75 years of comics. And things are sadly different. And I did look through the, some of the sales numbers have come out. And I looked the trade, the first trade of X Factor, which again was not as, I don't think as good. The last two of that were better than the first four. But if you were a regular Peter David reader, you could see where everything was heading. The trade came out July 1st. That trade did not make either the July or August sales charts of the top 300 trade paperbacks. So people weren't trade waiting. They used to joke years ago, and I mentioned John Byrne a lot, but that his core readership were called burn victims. Huh. <laughs> it's, it's kind of terrible, but, but kind but of awesome good, at the right. same time. And back in the 80s and, and 90s, when he was the hot commodity, there were 50,000 people who followed John Byrne's books, and any book he put out was going to sell 50,000 copies. Nothing like that exists anymore. Maybe Scott Snyder mm. is probably the only person that way today. Maybe Dan Slott. Mm. The, the last X Factor came down. It was selling 16, 17, 18,000. This is about 20 right now. And that's right around the cancellation mark. But that may be what a mid-level book without the A-level characters, considering, as we always talk about here, the concentration of dollars in X and Avengers or Batman and Justice League. And it's hard to, with, with that marketing from these big two companies, not the other guys, how do you get these books to sell beyond a certain core? Mm -hmm. It's certainly not events because these books don't tie into events very well. They're their own little corners. And as what Stephanie was talking before about making sure we pre-order the books that are of quality and talk about them and make sure we buy them and not wait. I, I, you mentioned to me, Bobby, on the phone about how do you chastise people about how they're buying things. And that, that is a problem. We need to support the books we need to support individually. We can't speak to other people about what you should be doing or mm -hmm. how you should be doing it. Talk with passion about the books that touch you and hope that that resonates with readers of like taste. Mm -hmm. um, St Stephanie, what do you think about his kind of estimation that trade, trade buying is I, the wrong way to buy monthly comics? Um, I don't know. You know, like it's, I think part of this blame is on shop owners still. Um, there's a lot of people adjusting to, you know, the times. and But there's still a whole market of comic book readers who are intimidated to go into comic book shops. And I can't fault them for that. Um, some people are really nasty. And I don't know, you know, like... I think trade waiting, there's merits to it, especially this book. It wasn't good. I'm sorry. This really sucked at the beginning. And I've really liked David, Peter David's run on it before, but this was not worth buying. And I haven't read it, even though like Bob's been praising it. Uh, and I, I don't think trade waiting is to blame. I think a rough start 
to the series is to blame. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you, too. I think that it, for this book in particular, I think I was incredibly excited when it launched. You know, yeah, I, we I, all were. I think because of Bob, you know, we all be, we all kind of fell in love with, with, with X-Factor. And, and then I, I think I read it for two or three issues, and it just, it didn't hit me at all. And so I put it aside and I said, if it gets better, maybe I'll read it in trade. Um, mm-hmm. So for this book specifically, I think that that was the main issue with this book. If I want to talk yeah. about the problem is that it had a slow start. And unfortunately, in, in the way things work now, if you have a slow start, you're probably doomed. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. it, it just, it just, people are going to, there's so much other stuff to read. People are not going to stick with it unless they're super diehard about it. And obviously there's 20,000 people who are incredibly diehard about reading X Factor. They were there before. And, and they're, they're, here and they're there here. Yeah. Both issues, four ninety nine in the same month, they sell about 20,000 copies. But I think that, A, I think that double shipping a book like X-Factor is a mistake. Um, I think a three ninety nine price point for a book like X-Factor is a mistake. Um, and, and I think this is why it kind of ties in with me to what we were talking about before with the Batman price point, which is that I, I feel like at a certain point, and we talked about this before, but at a certain point, the way the industry runs itself, it's going to begin to eat itself. And, mm-hmm. and I, I think that can you get away with pricing Batman at four ninety nine? Probably. You could probably, and that's exactly why they were going to do it because they during the end of zero year there were a bunch of issues that were four ninety nine because they were oversized and they went look it's still selling the same amount of copies even though it's four ninety nine we can probably charge an extra dollar and make another hundred thousand dollars a month you know just from this one book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the end, but when you start doing stuff like that, you begin to punish the people who are buying your book because it's good. And then the, 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 the uniformly positive you know, opinion of your top book is going to start to decrease. And I feel like here with, with X-Factor, and I know it was like this for me, this is a personal anecdote, but spending $8 a month on a book I wasn't sure about was just not going to happen. Uh, yeah. and, and, and that happens with a lot of books, to be quite honest with you. It, you, you put books at $3.99 that are you're trying you're testing the waters with that you're pushing out there that you want to see if they'll catch on that extra dollar it adds up when you're sitting there tabulating your books when you when you have a stack of 399 books and a stack of 299 books yeah you're much more likely to put back that 399 book that you're on the fence about than the 299 book that you're on the fence about yeah it's just simple dollars and cents and that this is the thing peter should be blaming is the fact that the the system in which his books are coming out is is badly badly cracked you know you know what i mean and then we talked about the phone too i said there's got to be a line right where they look at the the numbers of the how many books selling and they go okay if the trade sells this many copies we can we can afford to keep it going it makes sense to keep it going because it's making x amount of money um and if it's not selling like that or the trades don't sell at all like what you were saying about the x-factor trades then they go look it's selling twenty thousand copies it's selling nothing in trade this 20,000 copies is all we're seeing. These are the only people who care about it. They're reading it monthly. They're not buying the trades. No one new is coming to buy the trades, or very few. In two months, we're going to be losing money on this book. And the fact is, no matter how good a book is, no matter how much they love a writer, it's a business. They're not going to keep a book going that's losing them money. We talked about Electra, right, a few, a few weeks ago, yeah. a month ago, and that got canceled. And all I can imagine is the monthly sales were so low that they said there's no amount like this trade would have to sell like Walking Dead numbers right. in order for us to keep it going, and the, but those realities are just a shame, right? Because you have Peter blaming people who are who possibly are spending their money on the thing that he wrote for for it can't being canceled, and the fact that that's even an issue 
is broken whether it's whether it's the fact that they marvel isn't accounting for trades enough in in, in their numbers mm-hmm. or the writers aren't understand or aren't being told you know what what the actual breakdowns are of this stuff there's something wrong with that whole that, that whole funnel right, you know right well you look at right now ms marvel mm-hmm. 299 mm-hmm. is outselling all the other launches that came out then right yeah and it is certainly part of it it was a gamble mm-hmm. with a legacy character from another female character, which had never been done before. We're now dealing with Jersey City and a teenage girl, and she's Pakistani and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. And that two ninety nine may have kept people going while they got used to it. And that only ships once a month, right? Once a month mm-hmm. for two ninety nine. Mm-hmm. And the other half of raising a book to four ninety nine is that extra dollar is a dollar not spent on sensation comics right it's a dollar not spent on phantom stranger Mm. or those other things that people were enjoying all-star western Mm. well i don't have that i need to read about batman Mm. and all my money is there and you're you're dunning me for an extra buck (laughs) right that i don't even have yeah yeah i mean you look at this thing where we're we're gonna on the shelves today you have a book by scott snyder that's gonna be five dollars and you have a book by scott snyder that's going to be three dollars you know and and I heard this story, I don't remember where I read it, that th- that Snyder and Jock are going to make more money on witches than they're ever going to see for Batman. So you can tell where that extra dollar is going. It's yeah. not going to pay this talent or anything like that. No, that, that that's, I'm sure there's very complicated contracts I- involved mm-hmm. there. Um, but I, I, it's one of the things where I'm looking at the sales list here. I'm looking at the charts here. And I say this, but the top two books are Death of Wolverine, both four ninety nine books. Um Wolverine, Death of Wolverine number one sold 261,000 copies. Um, wow. Death of Wolverine number two sold 129,000 copies. So big depreciation, obviously, wow. but still huge. There's That's still huge yeah. numbers. Um, okay, those are both, you know, 499. Then we have Batman, Batman, Harley Quinn, Amazing Spider-Man, Justice League Future's End are all 399. Original Sin number eight is 499. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, I should know Detective Comics three ninety nine, Justice League three ninety nine, and Batman Superman Features End three ninety nine with another four ninety nine book at number twelve, which is Superior Spider Man number thirty three. So th- they're seeing these numbers and going, okay, well, if if this can sell this much, why not price it at that? Right. And again, much of the blame falls on the publisher, but then a lot of the blame falls on us, right? Because you see Death of Wolverine, and I did the same thing, and I go, well, it sucks, it's four ninety nine, but I got to read it because it's the death of Wolverine. Right. You know? So there's obviously something wrong with with all of it. Right. Well, when you get to number 40 and you're down to 50,000 copies mm. and you go down another another 50 into the hundreds and everything's 20 and below, mm. well, it, it's also top-heavy and also top-heavy on certain properties. It's, yeah. I need to read that, just what you're saying. And, and yeah. that's mm-hmm. that's the mindset. Mm-hmm. It's look the movie business right now. We we this isn't a movie show, but we've talked about stuff like this. It is e- it is either giant hundred two hundred million dollar blockbuster productions, or it's really micro indies. There's no in between. There are no B pictures anymore, and our comics are are f- splitting the same way. This haves and have nots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The sad thing is, in all those have-nots, there's some really good stories by some really great creators that are falling by the wayside on price and availability mm-hmm. and the idea of having to pre-order 13 Batman books a month right. for or there's yourself, a- or Avengers or X-Men or all the rest mm-hmm. of it, and the events that go yeah. with them that drive us all crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a pressure to be in on those stories. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. there's, you know, if you're not reading Death of Wolverine, 
you're gonna you're gonna hear it through the grapevine and it's not gonna be you know it's not firsthand it's not gonna be as satisfying you know oh this happened and you know that's how it happened oh, okay well now i don't have to read it mm-hmm. but you want to be in on the ground floor especially for somebody like wolverine as much as people are like oh he'll be back and i of course he will mm-hmm. be back but it's still spoilers. <laughs> it's still you know it's still an event. It's a it's a um what am I what is the, like a not a fork in the road but a um like a landmark mm-hmm. or a yeah. I I'm not using the right word. I no, apologize. That's the right word. Um, I just know for me like going back to the the stuff with all new X Factor. You know, I too bought the first three issues and found them to not be very good. Mm-hmm. And then you know Bob continued on and kept reading and he reinvigorated my interest but at that by that time it was already trade territory so the mentality is oh i'll just pick up the trade Mm. and then by the time that comes out there's two other issues out because they were double shipping that book correct yeah Yeah. okay so by shipping one month (laughs) okay so by that time there's already maybe like two three issues out already so not only do i have to go out and buy the trade now i have to go and buy the singles of that book not only does that break up like the ownership of having the trade and then having single issues out in a box, screwing up your whole your whole deal, but it 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 the scheduling I think sometimes really throws people off. And these four ninety nine books and these three ninety nine books, you know, since we've started this show, you know, every every week we're at Tour Comics. Every week I'm having to to take things off of my list. I do read a lot of books. I do buy a lot of books. That is known, you know, throughout. But I for somebody that does buy a lot of books, I know for a fact that when I have my piles and I break them up into two ninety nine, three fifty, and three ninety nine, and what have you, um, that three ninety nine pile over the last let's say like two years has just grown larger and larger and larger. It seems like with every week mm-hmm. that that two ninety nine pile is like maybe three books out of like let's say the fourteen to seventeen titles that I pick up that day, three, mm-hmm. and the rest. I have maybe two three fifties. Uh, the rest of them are all three ninety nine. That is devastating to the wallet, and it it because of like the nature of those books, those flagship books that they're pricing those things at. They wonder why these smaller properties aren't selling, or why people aren't jumping onto these books, or why they're not willing to pick up the trade and then hop on to the new arc. Is because they're they're spending too much money playing catch up and being in on the ground floor of these larger events, leaving no room for you to pick up, you know, some of the smaller things. And then they get canceled before they've even had their time to, to really come into their own. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Yeah. But the thing is like the, the problem with us though, is we buy death of number one made a million dollars. Yeah. I mean, didn't they care if X factor gets canceled, if it's making a million dollars? No, but I want to, the thing interesting about this discussion is that we're talking about this, talking about the monthly superhero books one of us is not kind of a slave to that, and that's Stephanie, right? Stephanie, right. Um, you you read what you want to read, <laughs> you know, and you pick up what you want to pick up, and, and you pick up a lot of indie books, a lot of image. You read a lot of web comics uh, as well. Um, as someone outside looking in, what do you think about this kind of need for people to be buying all of these kind of major titles to feel like they're they're part of the conversation? Um, I think it's tiring, you know, Bobby, we had this conversation a few months ago where we almost both entirely stopped reading comics for a bit because it just started feeling like more of a chore. Mm-hmm. And I don't want things that I read for fun to be a chore. 
we do this podcast as a passion. It's We don't get paid to do this. We like talking to one another about comics and other geek stuff. And when I feel that pressure to read something because, you know, I should, that's no longer me reading it because I want to. Mm -hmm. That's me reading it because... I feel like I need to be in the conversation. You know, there's still other ways for us to be involved in the conversation if we haven't read it, like asking questions, uh, discussing the book, and all kinds of other things. And I, I just, I am, I don't know, it's overwhelming. There's too many books coming out, and too many of them that honestly suck. And I want to support the books that mean something, and I want to put my money towards creators that deserve it and stop supporting things that you know ultimately are going to keep making the publishers put out more of these shitty titles mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know i don't want to support variants i don't want to support events and i don't i support what i want to read and that's it and i i personally just find it it helps me to enjoy the medium a lot more than um otherwise Mm -hmm. you know if i if i'm not feeling like it's reading well as a single issue like a monthly i'll go trade and you know if somebody asks me why i'll tell you why but i mean that's no fault but like the creator and sometimes things are just meant to be read as a trade Mm -hmm. you know i i just um there's you just have to make those decisions and it it's it's all what works for you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I, I mean, mean, it's absolutely true. It's like it's it's news stories like this that almost make me wonder if I'm part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we well we definitely are. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> like, we are. All right. So let's it's not be just absolutely me. honest about yeah. that. We definitely are. Okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> we we definitely are part of the problem. And it's Bob. You don't buy a lot. You buy. I don't buy a lot, and I try to avoid events. Mm-hmm. I've, I have event burnout at this point, so right. I did not read. Forever Evil. I did not read Original Sin. Mm-hmm. I will not read Axis, which mm-hmm. comes out today. Today I, as well, yeah. I have no interest. Mm-hmm. And I'll read what I can around it. If it begins to infect books I'm reading, then mm-hmm. I'll drop those too. Mm-hmm. Right. And Hugh, I mean, what about you? I mean, we, we've been yammering on about this. Mm-hmm. What What do you feel about the price points of comics? You know, how they're structured events, you know, 18 Batman comics, 18 X-Men comics, all that stuff. Well... Some the thing that confuses me is that you like Marvel with something like X Factor. Just using it as an example, maybe there'd be other books down the line. Same thing happens. Why double ship a book like you say? We're, you know, okay, it's got a faithful readership, but it's not huge. Surely a book like that will survive for much longer, where it's shipped once a month, maybe even you know once every five weeks. Whereas, you know, people, if, you know, uh, Amazing Spider-Man, Batman, you could you could double ship Batman, people will still buy it twice a month because it's Batman. People buy Amazing Spider-Man, it's double shipped because it's Spider-Man. But you can't guarantee someone's going to pick up a book like X-Factor twice a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I saw what DC were proposing to do with the $5 price point on um, Batman I was just you know it just makes you worried whether they're obviously I think they've 
kind of gone off with a you know kind of like a dog with its tail between their legs um and you know massive credit to scott snyder and greg capullo for you know sticking up for their readers for with that but you know it makes you worried if they're considering doing that with batman what's to say they're not gonna do it somewhere down the line with superman and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and you know, you're only going to push people away from reading comics if you're going to do that. I mean, it's it's not a cheap pastime, you know, if you don't read a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't read a huge amount. I, I keep myself to a £50 a month limit. Um, and as such, unfortunately, I have to, you know, miss out on reading a lot of independent stuff because I, I don't like missing out on Batman stuff. I don't miss like missing out on Spider-Man stuff. So... You know, what are you going to do? It, okay, X-Factor obviously had a poor start, but if you ship it once a month and people are consistently picking it up, you you can give that book a bit more of a chance to, mm-hmm. you know, it's obviously finding its feet. Um, and now it's find its feet. It's now they've, you know, cancelled it. Mm-hmm. And it, it might never be given the chance well it won't be given the chance to become something that could be you know really great it could well, you know it could be as good as you know the previous volume mm-hmm. on that know. yeah sorry on that note you know like again i feel like peter david's just kind of pointing the finger because it's like a tv show there's very few creators uh on tv that can get away with doing an entire season of a show that's shit mm-hmm um, and have it not be cancelled. Uh, I mean, had the whole tie-ins with Winter Soldier for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. not kicked in to really escalate it how that show was, you know, uh, doing, I, that would have been cancelled. But I bet, you know, Disney and ABC had a deal to say, we have to wait and see how the ratings go after this. But Peter David... You can't be a slow burn creator in this industry anymore. It's not the old days and you need to get with the program. And I know he had a lot going on, but, and he was setting a lot up, but you can't do that. You, you have to make a good book that's compelling to people right off the bat. And that goes for all creators. Um, you know, you're in danger Scott Snyder would be in danger if his first arc of anything was lackluster. Mm-hmm. Anyone would be. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think that, and there's also a huge perceived value prob- problem in comics mm-hmm. as well, because when you're selling, this thing is $5. You can basically buy a novel for $5, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and obviously this is a work of art. There's there's an artist working very, very hard, and it, obviously it it takes it's two people working and it, they're creating original art every single month for this thing and that's hard to put a value price on that but when you're handing someone a 20 page book and saying this is five dollars what what are you yeah. telling them like you you can read this in 10 minutes and then you've spent your five dollars you know and you might read it again but most likely you're gonna put it in a box and you're never gonna see it again and I, I think that that's a big issue, right? But I, I do want to say, not to make it all negative, I think that, you, you know, you mentioned what Snyder and Capullo did. Mm-hmm. I think with having creators who are willing to do that, I, I can't think of a time when I, since we've been doing this that creators have said publicly to their company, 
we don't want you doing this with our book and, and stayed on the book, yeah. you know? Um, they use whatever power they have right now to do right by the people who buy their book. And the fact that we have creators out there like that, uh, I think that is the, the savior, right? Because this thing could could balloon and burst, but as long as you have your Scott Snyders and your Matt Fractions and your Jason Aaron's and your Peter Davids and, and all of these people who are working hard and creating amazing stuff, not to mention all the amazing artists out there, you know, Fiona Staples and Greg Capullo and whoever, you know, as long as you have those people, you're always going to get great stuff. And I think that, I mean, we've praised these companies before, but you look at companies like Image and Boom and Arkea and IDW and, and Dark Horse and they all have their issues, you know, uh, but I, I think that you see kind of, especially I think with Image and, and, and Boom right now, you see this really kind of um, ma- people being married to quality and expecting quality to sell books, mm-hmm. right? It seems like Image doesn't give a shit who, who, writes the, who creates the books. I mean, they want good creators, but they don't need a name. If the book is good, they will make it a success. Yeah, if they've had a good mm-hmm. pitch, you know, great idea. It'll, it's coming. They, they, yep. they will brand it on, this is an Image book, and it's going to be awesome. Everybody's going to be talking about it. Check it out. And most likely, it's going to be really good. I mean, they have their stinkers, obviously. Yeah. They put out a lot of books. But I, I think that they are going about it the way that is that is the way that can benefit the industry where I feel like sometimes it's not always, but with stuff like this, with the price point and stuff like this, I feel like the, uh, the big guys are putting such a heavy load on the top that eventually it's going to topple. You know, it's like an upside down pyramid. It's just going to, it's going to topple over because it can't support at at some point. I don't know when it's going to happen. At some point people are going to stop buying so many Batman, X-Men and Spider-Man books and then what the hell is going to happen to the industry? You know, look through the '60s when there were lots of Batman and Superman books. Lois and Jimmy each had books, mm-hmm. and Adventure and Superman and mm-hmm. Action and Justice League and Batman Detective and mm-hmm. World's Finest. They were in together, mm-hmm. and there were probably as many Batman and Superman books then mm-hmm. as now. But there were also mm-hmm. war books and romances and kids and mm-hmm. all the other things that changed the shape of that pyramid. It rounded off the edges mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. The big two need to, we've, we've talked about mm. this now for three years, mm. they need to keep the line diversified. Vertigo needs to be a bigger presence. Mm. Marvel needs to ramp up Icon and mm. bring back Epic and change their model. But they may have lost that moment to to Image mm-hmm. and to Dark Horse and to Dynamite and to Boom and all these other companies that are now doing those other genres and knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Absolutely killing month after month with, we're doing science fiction, we're doing horror, mm-hmm. we're doing... Horror, science fiction, westerns. Mm-hmm. We're doing crazy, weird fantasy books and stuff for kids and stuff from television shows and licensed properties. And you guys are doing superheroes. Mm. And I love superheroes. Mm-hmm. It can't all be superheroes all the time. And it can't be only five superheroes from each right. company all the time. That's the main issue for me. Is not. I think the other genres are nicely filled out by those other companies. Yep. It's just the fact that um, it's the it's the concentration. It's sort of like, you know, there being three corporations in the world that own everything, including the comic book companies yes. that we're talking about, but it, you can't concentrate all of it into into a couple characters, or it's gonna it's gonna eventually crack and burn, yeah. you know. Um, and listen, I love Spider Man and Batman as much as anybody else, you know. Uh, and I buy those books every month, but I, I think that there needs to be, and also the problem is too is like when you buy an image book, you kind of feel good about it, you know. You're like I'm buy- I'm yeah. supporting these people. I feel good about this, yeah. you know. Um, 
you know, sometimes when you're buying these Marvel and DC books, you feel like you're just doing it because you have to do it. And like Stephanie said before, it starts being this passionate thing, and it starts being this thing where like, I'm going to buy Spider-Man because, well, I buy Spider-Man. Like, that's what I do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, I'm reading, I read Birthright, and I'm like, I'm excited to buy this book because it says to someone, I support the thing that you're doing mm-hmm. and these chances that you're taking. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, I said I don't know if you feel that way when you buy like those kind of indie books, but I definitely always feel that way. I I would rather buy, I would rather go on Monkey Brain, on Comicsology, and I do this actually. I would rather buy every single book that they've put out that I know nothing about than spend money on you know a complete event. And truthfully, for like all of those books that I get from Monkey Brain that are going to be unique, special, and absolutely wonderful. You know, I'm going to pay pretty much the exact same thing for the event that's going to leave me feeling like, you know, I've been drinking for 30 years and everyone's <laughs> left me and all I've got is the dog. Yeah. And again, like we're saying, like we obviously we love superhero comics. You know, I mean, I, we, we're in a special place now because I feel like obviously the Batman book is amazing. You know, Spider-Man is very good. And it's not about the quality. It's just about trying to make sure this industry is healthy going forward and Amen. The, you know bob obviously you've been reading comics for a very long time but the longer we do this i you, know, you start to see trends there's the ups and downs you mm-hmm. start to you start to notice the the other side of things a, a, a little bit more um and, and i mean i don't, obviously peter was frustrated when he said what he said he loved obviously loved writing that book and he's frustrated that it's over because i think he now he feels like it's really over mm-hmm. like it, it's yeah. done like he there's no more writing x factor for him and that's he's running for how long 10 years? 20 years? 20 years? 20 years to go all the way back. You know, yeah. it was a weird move to, I mean, I know after what happened, how it ended in the last series, um, he needed to kind of fix up, you know, he had to set things up, but he had so many memorable characters and he, he could have started things off where things left off and gone into this later once the mm-hmm. book was selling and established. And it was, you know... I mean, obviously, there's no use crying over spilt milk, mm-hmm. but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, who knows what, what part of that was Marvel telling you, you have to, you have to use these characters, yeah. you have to do that. We don't know. And I think that's where, I mean, I, I feel bad for him, right? Because he's a great writer and he's, he's, been, he's been doing it for 30 years, writing amazing books for Marvel um, up until this point, you know? And uh, I, I think that it, it sucks that someone has to go through that. And obviously, he doesn't know who to blame, so he's blaming people who are buying or not buying the, the trade yeah. of uh, uh, all new X Factor, um, I, I just hope I, I just hope that he gets to write something else that he loves. I mean, maybe the answer is for him to go back to the stuff that he created himself. You yeah. know, the, the, uh, was it Fallen, Fallen Angel? Fallen Angel. Yeah, uh, that was a great book that launched out of Supergirl mm-hmm. for DC, and actually the book was there. She might have been Supergirl. He kept right. saying no, but it, it might have been. It's a great series. IDW had it was J.K. Woodward who's doing the. Uh, Harlan Ellison City on the mm-hmm. Edge of Forever for IDW. Mm-hmm. Great painted art. Very mystical, weird little city, bet and what's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah, that'd be I'd love to see him revisit that. I mean, we're in like a like a like a Shangri-La of creator owned stuff right now. It's the mm-hmm. time. If you're gonna you, it's the time to do that stuff yeah. right now. Maybe some of his novel work yeah. finds its way into four color. Yeah. I mean I, I just I, I hope I wish the best for him though, as much as I'm I got annoyed by what he said. You know, he's obviously someone who deserves all the good that he's gotten and he's such a talented guy 
Um, but yeah, I, I just wanted to, I think it's a good discussion to have, you know, it's kind of like a state of the industry kind of discussion <laughs> to have about what's going on, um, right before we go to the second biggest show in the industries, uh, <laughs> um, the whole industry. So, uh, and we'll get some freebies and we'll get some exclusives and yeah, buy yeah. some variants. We get and, a bag yeah. with, you know, a, a huge swag bag with an anime character on it. <laughs> Either you're a part of the problem or you're a part of the solution. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So let's move on to the books that are on the shelves right now. All right. Yeah. And as much as I just complained about all this stuff, I'm really excited for the book. Yeah, and, and here, here we go, the avalanche. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, from Archie Comics, we've got Archie number 660. Uh, we've also got Sabrina number one, Whoop. which is out from Archie uh, this week, which I'm very excited about. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog number 265. From Avatar Press, Caliban number seven, uh, Cross Badlands number 63, Um Dick's End of Time, number five. <laughs> Extinction Parade War, number four. George 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 R R Martin. George uh, R Binks is <laughs> Game of Thrones. In the house, comic selling. <laughs> in the House of the Worm, number three. God is Dead, number twenty-two, and War Stories, number one. Um, from Boom Studios, Adventure Time, Banana Guard Academy, number three. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Big Trouble in Little China, number five. Uh, Black Market, number four. Bravest Warriors, number 25. Dead Letters, number five. Fraggle Rock, Journey to the Everspring, number one. Um, Hexed, number three, is out. Uh, we've got uh, Teen Dog, number two, and Thomas Alsop, number five. Uh, from Dark Horse Comics, we've got Abe Sapien, number 17. Beautiful cover. Alien versus Predator, Fire and Stone, number one. Uh, we've got Creepy Comics, number 18. Dark Ages, number three. Uh, we've got Grendel versus the Shadow, number two. Um, we've got, let's see here, X, number 18. Uh, from DC Comics, Arrow Season 2.5, number one. Astro City, number 16. Batgirl, number 35. Yeah. Batman, number 35. Um, we've got Batman Eternal, number 27. Um, we've got Coffin Hill, number 12. Constantine, number 18. Earth 2, number 27. Earth 2, World's End, number 1. Uh, new weekly series. FPB, Federal, Federal Bureau of Physics, number Ooh, 14. Sweet. <laughs> uh, we've got um, Green Lantern Corps, number 35. Injustice, Gods Among Us, year 3, number 1. Um, we've got Justice League United, number 5. Justice League Canada. <laughs> Say it right. Uh, Clarion, the Witch Boy, number 1. Um, new 52, Future's End, number 23. New Suicide Squad, number three. Uh, Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? Number 50. Small, probably, probably in the kitchen, making uh, a sandwich. <laughs> Smallville, <Uh-oh>. season el- <laughs> Excuse me. Smallville Season 11, Chaos, number three. Superman, Wonder Woman, number 12. And World's Finest, number 27. Uh, from Dynamite Entertainment, we've got Chaos, number one. We've got Chastity, Number four. Uh, I'm starting to worry about them. Evil Ernie, <laughs> number one. Um, X-Con, number two. Jennifer Blood, Born Again, number three. Um, we've got ooh, Terminal Hero, number three. Uh, Vampirella, Fairy Tales, number one. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's the Nancy Collins? Nancy? No. I'm What's her name? Sure. She's the sure. novelist, the horror novelist writing it, isn't it? I'm not sure. I don't forget it. doesn't have the credits on this list I'm reading Shocking. for you, Bob. Trying to put me on the spot here. Um, IDW, we've got Danger Girl, Mayday, number four. Uh, Dead Squad, number one. G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, number 27. Uh, Haunted Horror, number 13. Killology, Halloween Special, 
number one, uh, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, number 24, October Faction, number one, uh, which looks like a really creepy book. It's Steve Niles. Um, looks pretty cool. Yeah. Ragnarok, number two, uh, Star Slammers Remastered, number seven. We've got uh, Transformers versus G.I. Joe, number three. <gasps> V-Wars, number six. Winter World, number three. Uh, from Image Comics, 68, Homefront, number two. Birthright, number one. Black Science, number nine. Copperhead, number two. Cutter, number two. Dark Engine, number three. Death Vigil, number four of eight. Ghosted, number 14. Howtoons, Reignition, number three of five. Imperial number three, Manhattan Projects number twenty-four. Um, we've got Punks the Comic number one, which looks crazy. Have you looked at the thing? It's like I've only seen the cover. Like paper cutouts. The whole comic is like looks like that cover. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we've got uh, Sex Criminals number eight, Spawn number two forty-seven, Tales of Honor number five, Thief of Thieves number twenty-four, and Witches number one. Ooh. <laughs> The theme is sort of playing. No one can hear it right now. Only we can hear it, which is really funny. But um, It's the new lightning round. It's the new lightning yeah. round, yeah. It's weird because I have it muted. <laughs> okay. All right. So there we go. It's gone now. <laughs> I was really enjoying that. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's really funny because no um, one's going to hear it like that. It's just going to be us, and they're going to think oh, we're crazy We're people. nuts. Um, <laughs> they do anyway. We are. Uh, yeah. from, we are. It's true. From Marvel Comics, we've got all uh, all new Ultimates, number nine. Amazing Spider-Man, number seven. Avengers, number 36. Avengers and X-Men Axis, number one. <laughs> Captain Marvel, number eight. Release the Flurkin. <laughs> um, that cover is amazing. Uh, Death so. of Wolverine, number one. Uh, George Romero's Empire of the Dead, Act 2, number two. Sorry. Um, Miracle Man, number 12. Ms. Marvel, number six. No, that's the second printing. Sorry. Nightcrawler, number seven. Uh, Punisher, number 11. Rocket Raccoon, number four. Savage Hulk, number five. Uh, we've got uh, Thanos, a god up there listening, number one of four. Uh, I, I haven't even heard of that. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, X-Force, number 10. From, let's see here. We've got Titan Comics, Doctor Who, the 10th Doctor, number three. Valiant Entertainment, um, XO Man of War, number zero. Death Defying Doctor Mirage, Number two, Ooh. and uh, Grim Fairy Tales presents Tales of Terror number four from Zenoscope, and that's the books. There is one weird thing coming out. What is it, Bob? For IDW this week is releasing a hardcover collection of newspaper strips, which they do quite a lot of, of Wonder Woman from 1943. Oh. They are very, very rare, and a lot of people don't even know this is finding its mm. way to the shelves, and it comes out this week. Also cool. being released, uh, hardcover, brand new, is uh, the next chapter of Black Sad. Mm. Which I'm sure will be absolutely gorgeous. Is that IDW? I don't. You know, I don't know. Mm. I don't know who puts that out. All I know is that I have I have that one that I talked about on the show earlier that I, I bought for Hanny Mode when I was at the show and I picked one up. And it, I mean, visually and and writing wise as well, but visually it is just a feast for the eyes. Um, if you happen to see it on the shelves, I highly recommend just at least thumbing through it um, and thinking about it. Each one is its own thing. So um, you can definitely read it. I will be looking for a copy of that uh, while at NYCC, for uh, sure. Dark Horse. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Cool. Uh, awesome, yeah. So um, if you guys want to get in touch with us, it's at Talking Comics uh, on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash Talking Comics, and podcast at TalkingComicBooks.com. Obviously, go to TalkingComicBooks.com for reviews, columns, videos, our our 
gaggle of podcasts. <laughs> Swarm. Cavalcade. Uh, yes. <laughs> Uh, I love we, that word. We've got uh, this show that I don't know if you heard of. It's called The Misfits. Uh, <laughs> What's what that? show, Bobby? I, I think it's called The Misfits. <laughs> what? Uh, Speak up. <laughs> hosted by Stephanie Cook. Uh, also. Uh, oh, that show. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> um, <with laughs> Melissa Megan and Mara Wood. And you guys are having kind of a. Uh, you guys have had a couple guests on recently as well. Yes. Yeah. Most recently, this past week, we had Brendan Fletcher on. Uh, we're doing another show next week on Captain Marvel. And I don't know what the show after that will be, but we're going to do a big Halloween special. Melissa is so, so, so excited because she lives for Halloween. I'm so. sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, we've got uh, Talking Movies with Brian Verderosa and Chris Oliphant. They just uh, have a review going up of Gone Girl that they just did, the new oh. David Fincher movie. Kicks off their murder mystery uh, section. Awesome. Yeah. Um, obviously, Talking Valiant uh, with Adam Shaw. He just put up a new episode, so check that out. And uh, Talking Games yeah. uh, with Mr. Steve Say and uh, special guest Hugh Perry this week yep. as well. He will be in the hot seat this week. We'll be grilling him about all of his uh, <laughs> the roast. game experience. And we're going to be, uh, this week's topic is your single greatest uh, gaming experience ever. That's a big oh. topic. Yeah, it's 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 come. And what's funny is that mine actually, I've given this a lot of thought. Happened just this past week. All right, so um, there you go. And speaking of talking games, and uh, Bobby, I'm unfortunately not able to attend your wedding, which is mm. uh, on the 26th. But on the 25th is Extra Life, which oh, yes. is a 24 hour yes. marathon. And Melissa Mara and I, uh, on behalf of the Misfits are participating we've just started a campaign and this awesome charity is very very dear to melissa's heart um her nephew passed away from i believe cystic fibrosis yep so um our we're donating to the children's hospital that took care of him and gave him really excellent treatment uh in his last days so um please 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 consider donating to us and we'll put information up um shortly Awesome, yeah, and if people don't know what extra life is it, it's it's just like if someone was running a regular like a marathon, you know, like a, you 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 kind of donate for the miles that they're going to run. Oh. Um, you do the same thing, but you donate, uh, you know, for the time they're going to be playing. Yeah. Um, so it's like pledging for them to play a, a certain amount of time. Um, mm-hmm. And that twenty fourth, uh, the twenty fifth, sorry, is 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 the kind of you can you can do it whenever you want to be to be honest. But twenty fifth is kind of the national day. There's going to be a lot of people doing twenty four hour marathons stuff like that. It's a big, big weekend for that. So that's awesome, Stephanie. You know, obviously share those details on the site. Mm-hmm. Um, people can can donate and, and follow along. Yeah, and Steph, um, if you want to just send me a quick email with the information, I will be sure to share that on the Talking Games podcast as well. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Absolutely. No and we'll set it up so you, you can stream it. If you're going to guys are gonna do it, stream it on the, the Twitch channel. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. mean, I'm going to be at your rehearsal dinner. Yeah, yeah. So they can do it. I'm saying they can do it. Oh, they can do yeah, it. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I mean. <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put them to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll be they'll be streaming it. What are you what are you mouthing to me? I think Rob might be doing it. Oh, he is, yeah. or he might be. Yeah. Okay, we'll he can uh, we'll, join we'll, our team if he'd like. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we'll cool. we'll discuss it and we'll we'll try to iron out the uh, details before tomorrow's show. Awesome, 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 awesome stuff. Um, if you guys want to talk to us personally, I'm at Bobby Schwartle on Twitter. Steve, uh, my Twitter handle is at dead underscore anchorus. Stephanie, I'm at Hello Cookie and Hugh. I am at h underscore paz. And Bob, your email address. Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. All right. So that's going to do it for the Talking Comics Podcast. We've got a big weekend ahead of us. 
Mm. New York Comic Con is upon us. Uh, get your hand sanitizer and your emergency <laughs> ready to go. Yep, we did that yesterday. Yeah, you need it stocked <laughs> up and ready because you don't want to be there without it. <laughs> nope. You don't want to be touching stuff and then and then shaking people's hands. I thought it was really funny. Dan Slot tweeted. He goes, he goes, a note to myself in a week. You have con crud, not Ebola. <laughs> um, <laughs> Menton actually said to me, I was like, what do you, how do you survive? Like, cause you go to so many of these things. How do you survive? He goes, you don't put your hands in your mouth. Yeah. Under any circumstances. You don't pick your teeth, mm-hmm. nothing. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's, that's good advice. That's yeah. good advice for life in general. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, you've watched, you know, then we contagion. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, yeah. They say yeah. in the movie, like, oh, you touch your face, like, how many times a day? I'm like, that's ridiculous. And then you start realizing when you're touching yeah. your face, you're like, oh, my God, it's true. I'm going to die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Somebody coughs in the movie theater. You're like, you! <laughs> I play with my beard a lot. Touching your face? Oh. Yeah, yeah. I do. I, I, at the bottom, I, I yeah. stroke and pull on it, and I'm, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I let touch my glasses a lot, you know? Yeah, so, you do. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and, and it's true. It hey, happens. everybody's got their ticks. Everybody's got their ticks. Um, all right. So that's going to do it for the Talking Comics Dude, podcast tick. for this week. If you're at New York Comic Con, please, at Talking Comics on Twitter, hit us up. Let us know where you are. Yeah. We'll, we'll try to end up with you guys. And that's going to do it for this show. For Steve. Have a set. A, oh, my God. Have a <laughs> safe and happy NYCC. I'll see you there. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> how, do you, how do you follow that? Hugh. Bob. Uh, that was pretty good. Hasta la vista, baby. And Stephanie. Bye. I've been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. <laughs>